Du med? Ja, jag är med. Listen. Jump on a moonbeam and ride. Ride it. Glide it. All the way. As the moon speaks to the waves of the sea. And of an ocean relic of the times that used to be. Many years have passed since your vision came to me. And I think of you only as the moon speaks to the sea. Okay, everybody, Christmas is over and done, but we are not. We are back. We are beyond Christmas, beyond Captain Beyond Christmas or whatever we wanted to call it in the first place. But now it's the New Year special and uh, we're finally tackling this, like this kind of a monolith of a psychedelic rock album. Like uh, this is a special, but it's a special special. It's not like the other specials or what would Mm -hmm. you add to that, Ole? We're going beyond 2020. We're looking into the future. Right. We're seeing what the waves of the past brought the future as we are sitting now live to you, dear listeners. Always live, always live. It's a new thing now. Uh, We're trying it out for the the second time, but uh, now we're truly live. So whenever you listen to this, we are there talking to you through the ether. Is this the Doctor Who... Or is not even Doctor Who? I don't know. Well, what series is that? The Prisoner, the Maiden Song. We want. I forgot it already. Is it Doctor Fugitive? It's not no. Doctor Who. I mean, some classic. Uh, it's probably called the Prisoner or something like that. But that's the like mm. the futuristic interrogation technique that we developed in order to do a podcast live, mm. uh, which so far is working. And I mean, I don't know. How was your Christmas? I had a good Christmas. I had a really, really good Christmas. And I think it may nice. have kicked off with uh, our Kochstein special. Just set a nice <laughs> mode and then we got snow, like miraculously, after like months of complete darkness, wet sock. We got snow on Fantastic. Christmas Eve. It's beautiful, took a long walk, bought some low alcohol beer with my friend. That was Christmas Eve. Christmas Day I spent with my sister and her her uh, sambo. And uh, uh, and Herman came by also. So it was like a bit of a strange Christmas, which I would I liked it. And I didn't really eat Christmas food. We ate chicken. <laughs> You know. Oh, yeah, nice. So it was good. I had a great Christmas. But then, miraculously, again, like as Boxing Day switched over to the 27th, the snow disappeared. And now we're back yeah. in the wet sock. I feel like shit again, but I'm happy to be doing this. <laughs> and I want to know, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, my friend. Uh, I I want to say that I've been riffing under the Christmas tree, riffing under the uh, the mistletoe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, the Prince callback. Yeah. Um, no, I've been uh, renovating, renovating. It's just going to be the ongoing thing. I'm, I've worked all day today, tearing down walls, uh, uh, painting ceilings, you know, the, the old same old, same old. But it's great. And I'm beyond stoked about this Captain Beyond special. It's been a long time coming. Uh, maybe the episode I've been looking forward to the most, uh, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really confuse me at all to such a big claim, such a bold claim, because it is like sometimes I I claim it's my favorite album of all time, Um, uh, Captain Beyond's self-titled album, Uh, especially when you're around, obviously, because we have a common (laughs) history with it. You know know how it is, right, with favorite albums. They can change. Uh, You have maybe your batch of 150 or something that could possibly be your favorite album in any given situation. But I think this one quite often comes up as it. And 
You know, it has this beautiful length that I love on an album, 35 minutes. Mm. You don't need more. You don't need more. We've been on this a little bit before with Gain for Riffs, like um, talking about Lude and Reload <laughs> and the length mm-hmm. of those and Marilyn Manson albums and whatnot. Like, uh, what do you think is the perfect album for a, a r- album length for a rock record? Uh, I mean, the the album may be as long uh, as possible, but it has to bring it, you know, it has to be good uh, for as long as possible. And that is indeed very, very difficult. Yeah. Uh, but as, uh, as a rule of thumb, I think if you're going past uh, 45 minutes, then you better have some good shit, you know, because have, like, imagine, you know, imagine me, imagine you when you were like 14, when we were 14, yeah, and listening to Load for yeah. what is it, uh, seventy-eight plus minutes, yeah, something like this. Did we ever? My did we God. ever listen to the whole thing? I never did. I can say I think oh, I never I did. I listened a shit ton to those two albums, but I don't think I've ever sat through it from first second to last. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but I think I, I have to say that uh, here we're talking today about an album. We should start riffing soon because I, I'm uh, like oof, with so many no? riffs. So many riffs. <laughs> they are folks. They are listeners. Today, it's a lot of riffs because diving into this album, I, I've been a listener for many years, but I haven't riffed on it, and and it was really a surreal experience, kind of, you know. Here we could cue some kind of going into the rabbit hole LSD sound as I went into this album, completely sober with my guitar, and just you know, I got really confused, and I know this album inside and out, but I got really confused as riffs were starting to intertwine with each other and everything so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting venture this album and maybe we should present it quickly for the listeners that are not like captain beyond freaks right uh let's introduce uh them first with the first riff of the fir- of the album i think okay and then we then we kind of add more as we go because i know that some listeners are they don't even know what we're talking about yet right but no, uh, i think no, you got a good no, point no. there let's start with the, the first riff of the first song okay All right, here we go. Dancing madly backwards on a sea of air. practice that too you know I, ha- I had to yeah it's a it's such a funny riff to start things off because it's a uh, kind of dumb and kind of backwards you know it's just mm. kind of it, it lowers your expectations I think Except for uh, Cobble's incredible drum beat, because his drums there are really, really cool. Uh, and I like the riff a lot, but it's, uh, you know, it's this kind of November riff for uh, 12-bar blues. And then switching it, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna let you take over. Mm. Now, the thing is, I think, I think it's really strong opening, actually. I've been, I've been kind of, uh, for the first... 15 years of listening to this album I've also been like oh this song yeah yeah but I'm, I'm looking forward to when uh, Dancing Madly Backwards turns into 
Armworth and then to Myopic Void or is it the other way around? You know, like, because I, I know there are some fucking killer riffs, but I think there's something smart with starting the album with such a chromatic, ugly riff uh, yeah. like this. It's just, uh, I think it's just amazing. And then the lyrics, of course, uh, is it's just it sets the stage in such a weird way. It's uh, yeah, extremely, uh, extremely weird stuff happening. It's almost like going too far. But I think it's uh, it's quite nice to have the, you have this very danceable beat, and then you have dancing madly backwards, yeah. dancing on a sea. Raising all my memories, a blackness in my dreams. Tiptoe, tiptoe quickly, forget about your cares. And remember <laughs> underneath you, it's just a sea of air. Yeah, it's really right. cool. I think there's a good opportunity to introduce to, I mean, less uh, less versed Captain Beyond listeners that uh, Rod Evans mm. is the vocalist on this album. And he is, I guess, most famous for being the original vocalist of uh, Deep Purple. Uh, on their mm, first couple exactly. of albums. And uh, we're going to get back to him, actually. I just wanted to put that in here. I'm going to try and sprinkle this trivia out because we are so much about yeah. the riffs today. It's going to be all yeah, riffage and a lot of them. Yeah. And um, yeah, 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 I agree yeah. with you. And I think, you know, the first thing I thought of when I when I heard this song way back, after you recommended it, I ordered the CD and I heard this, uh, you know... Uh, you know my th- first thought, like my first association hearing that riff. Could you guess it? No. I the thought toilet it, bass. <laughs> no, I thought it sounded exactly like the title, which I'm always, I've always been a fan of, you know. Like yeah. c- coming from the heavy metal camp like, with bands like Iron Maiden and also later acts like Mastodon. The title is incredibly mm. important uh, in order um, of, you know, kind of jiving with the contents of the song. And then for them to start with this kind of backwards drum beat... And then a kind of backwards guitar. And then these lyrics that you just recited, you know, it really, really (laughs) cements the mode, the mood of the song, I would say. I I would go on a tangent and say, like, what would this riff be if you played it the other way? And I'm thinking not maybe the first one, because I think that's that's fine. But the next one is very weird to play like they do. I mean, they play it like this. I, and normally a band would play it like yeah. you know like playing um doing the arpeggiate uh, arpeggiate the chord the the g chord uh, the g yeah. power chord in this case arpeggiate it uh up but here they're doing it down which yes. is uh i don't think it's a nod to the band down but uh definitely i just started <laughs> no, thinking about it I mean, I think so. down, I think down. So. yeah down. Uh, i mean we always be. think about down these days they made that such an really impression stupid. there but uh, yeah it, it's backwards isn't it it's simple as that mm. they know that it's backwards you know yeah i think so and uh when i when i just you know started riffing on it uh, it felt as nice as it is to kind of as nice and confusing you know it's basically just a G minor blues. Uh, it also yeah. goes up to the subdominant as they like to do in um, in normal blues tracks. So it has it anchors itself towards rock of years past, 
while being mm. kind of completely immersed in the current psychedelic version of rock, right? So I think it's yeah. it's very rooted, and it, it's a very good way to start if you're a new band, that maybe the first thing you do is not like uh, an absolute statement, but a statement of where you're from and where you're going. I think it involves both. You know, you're from this blues-based nice. heavy rock, but you're going backwards on a sea mm. of air. <laughs> right? Dancing even. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and... Uh, now maybe we we have to we we can't we have to introduce uh, the rest of the band. You already because here I mean everyone is so important to the yes. Captain Beyond sound and to the the songs on this album. We, we already mentioned quickly Bobby Caldwell, drummer extraordinaire. Yes, uh, played with a lot of people, and we maybe we'll get into that also. But. Uh, uh, it, he, he starts off the song with, like you say, this very backwards but very danceable beat. Yes. It, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's so uh, then, it's uh, great. Mike Ackerfeld, Mikael Ackerfeld, famous from episode mm -hmm. one of Game for Riffs. He <laughs> he stole that beat also for um, uh, the the lines in my hand on um, on the Heritage record. Yeah, I I, I love that he's uh, he's famous for episode one of Game for Riffs. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's uh, where he's most famous. All those listens, you know, that's that's really like his, the pinnacle of his career. Yeah, and then on uh, vocals we have Rod Evans, of course, and uh, Lee Dorman on bass. And it's just such a funky, heavy bass on this album. It's incredible. Yeah. Rarely plays the same thing as uh, the guitar, which is uh, by, of course, uh, Rhino. Reinhardt, Larry Rhino Reinhardt, uh, and I just want to play the next riff that comes because it's like it maybe brings it back again. It turns it uh, the backwardness on its head. All right. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, cool. uh, more turning back to kind of a normal blues riff there. Yeah, uh, surprisingly, you know, kind of southern uh, rock. I would say, you know, it has this southern rock kind of Dorian vibe to it with mm. the C sharp mm. over E minor. Exactly. Um, do you know the the actually the riff that ends the tune? Yeah, I do actually. Um, I, that was one of my yeah, favorites really, to, to learn, and I, I wanted to play it since we're talking Rhino right now. This riff is kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, it kind of sets sets the bar, kind of you know, for all you guys out there, maybe <laughs> listening to modern uh, progressive metal or something. You know, this this should even work for you. Crazy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> nice. A lot of madness. Oh, it's so, oh, it's so good. Uh, nice that you got the 
the solo part in there also, but I mean this uh that's so great. But but I mean going into Armworth, the second yes. song. And, and dear listener, you, you have to know, I mean, we, we count you already as Captain Beyond the fans because why else would you listen to this episode? Yeah, maybe we should go ahead and recommend that if you've never heard the album, uh, you can go back and listen to the album. It's re- kind of hard to find. It's not on Spotify, but you should be able to find it. And then you'll be even more ready to to indulge with us in this, in this <laughs> crazy album. Yeah, it's maybe a, it's a good uh, good idea, but I do like going in uh, kind of naked also, not knowing what's going on. And then maybe when you listen, listen, listen to the album afterwards, you kind of get what we're going at. But I mean, the album as itself, it's like it's a bit madness that we're taking out just the guitar riffs yeah. out of this, and we maybe we'll we'll kind of. Uh, uh, we'll do something in post, maybe put in some uh, examples and stuff like this, because I think it's worth it to hear like the lush soundscape on this record, because it's outstanding. Yes, It doesn't sound like anything from the period. To me, it doesn't sound like anything. I think it sounds amazing. I mean, the same year you had something like Volume 4, which is kind of equally progressive in a sense, and a really, really strong album. But uh, this one has a more like cohesive sound to it while being even crazier like they really kept it together and that's like what i think a producer should do they should make it as varied so that it's not boring as possible Mm -hmm. but also as connected as possible in the same time and of course they rely on on the quality of the tracks of the quality of the composition in order to Mm -hmm. do this but i think here it really kind of glued together it really works well for being such a chaotic structure of an album and i mean even the songs if you're not familiar with how they are structured, it's kind of five songs on the album, but it's 13 tracks. So it's like three suites and then two kind of more regular hard rock songs in there. And mm, all mm. everything we played so far is from the first suite, which is, it's not even terribly yeah. long put together, the Dancing Mad Backwards suite mm. with Armworth in it. And I think also, what is the other one? Myopic Myop- Void. Myopic Void. Yeah. Uh, and we, we're not there yet because there's some fucking killer riffs in that one ending this suite. Um, but yeah, what, what you're saying is uh, is true. I mean, they they started off strong their career with uh, with the <laughs> with the fucking concept album. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's pretty insane. And a concept al- album that's not like uh, double. It's just a single LP. Yeah, uh, thirty five minutes. Yes, it's such a great way to uh, present music. I think perfectly. Uh, unbelievably good. Do you know how they got their band name? Because I actually know. Oh, tell me. No, I actually I don't. Uh, I I have a guess though. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I think that Captain Beyond uh, on on because on the cover album, and I'm talking the the vinyl cover that I have, which has this hologram yeah. on it. It has this man with the long hair that looks like uh, peacock feathers. He's in space, standing on like a crystal uh, comet, and he's holding out his hands like kind of like Jack Kirby of. Uh, uh, Marvel, who made the uh, Fantastic Four and uh, uh, 
Captain America and Iron Man, and he he's holding out his arm uh, hands, and it really looks like a Jack Jack Kirby hands, and then his flowing cape through the universe, and in front of him is this kind of orb yeah. with a symbol, and he looks like a uh, a sixties uh, cosmic superhero of uh, from Marvel Comics. And I always envisioned him being like a superhero that they made up, that they were like, yeah, there's, sure, there's Captain America, there's Captain Marvel, but uh, we we are Captain Beyond, you know, like even yeah. beyond. But I'm sure that's not the reason. <laughs> but I just feel that it's within... within uh, Possibility, within the realm of possibility. Within the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or beyond the realm of possibility, perhaps. Beyond the realms of possibility comes Captain Beyond. But yeah, I mean, that could explain the cover and how they kind of adapted the name into a cover. But uh, the story I heard uh, of how they got the name is like, um, you have to imagine this um, outside venue parking lot somewhere in, I don't know if it was in the States or in England or anywhere else, Mm -hmm. maybe even. And uh, you have these guys walking up, perhaps they've just done their sound check. And it's a little gang of uh, Rod Rod Evans, Lee Orman. Rhino and um, and Cobwell coming uh, walking across the par- uh, the parking lot basically I, I don't know loading off gear or maybe going mm. back for their van and they run into a fella named Rick Wakeman um, oh really key- yeah keyboardist from um, from yes that's how he's most famous right um, very cool and kind of flamboyant guy right he wears yeah. these super long tuxes on stage with mullets and stuff yeah <laughs> funny videos. And <laughs> he sees these guys coming walking. I'm not sure if it's the full band, but let's just imagine it's the full band walking, walking towards him. <laughs> and he, he stops them and he's like, hey, lads, you look like Captain Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> good, right? Yeah, <laughs> because, good. because they're flamboyant the ways of dressing and they just look really out there, you know, really, we yeah. said it before, acid rock. Mm. Nice. And it reminds me of... Um, yeah, who was the after new, uh, after the Yardbirds uh, went kaput, and Jimmy Page tried to start a new uh, uh, supergroup, right. and uh, they, he wanted to call them the New Yardbirds, and the uh, friend of his or like friend frenemy, uh, <laughs> jokingly said, "Yeah, your New Yardbirds will sink like a Led Zeppelin or crash like a Led uh, Zeppelin," and that is, he was like, "Fuck you, I'm gonna <laughs> call my band Led Zeppelin." I like those stories; it's good. Yeah. I didn't it's know really that good. one. That's great. That's, that's yeah. like uh, that's great a rock trivia there, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if if you're like up for even more Rick Wakeman, he has. Uh, I think, I'm sure it's on YouTube. But he had had for a while a strange television program where he sits like a really uh, ang- uh, uh, not angry. What do you say? Uh, kind of sour old man complaining about uh, kids of today. <laughs> yeah, I would say bitter. Yeah, bitter and complaining. It's like you're just complaining <laughs> totally without instruments or nothing. Just to him and a friend like complaining. Uh, so it's like <laughs> so you've seen Rick Wakeman solo on triple keyboards, but have you seen him complaining like an old bitter man? <laughs> <laughs> There's still more to get from this guy, apparently. And he also named this band Captain Beyond. So yeah, I imagine so, the story is true. Maybe not. I mean, that, that was just for imagination that the whole band comes walking. But let's say it's. It would be very likely that uh, the guys from uh, from uh, Iron Butterfly would be hanging out with Rod Evans and maybe mm-hmm, being very mm-hmm. flamboyantly dressed, you know, in those space rock years. 
exactly. Yeah, we have uh, Lee Dorman and uh, Rhino is, of course, famous of being part of uh, Iron Butterfly. One of the many uh, mark of... <laughs> I think they had millions of members. Uh, but they were, in the end, they were of the 60s, they were in Iron Butterfly. And uh, when they left, they left to create Captain Beyond, but together with Bobby Caldwell, who was kind of the brains behind the whole uh, the whole band. To me, he is the band leader, in my in my yeah. view, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, d- definitely. And he's the only one still alive, but we'll get to that, uh, I'm sure. Um, yeah. I, I thought you had to mean in spelling stop. Uh-huh. No, you didn't. All right. Yeah, it still works. Uh, all right, but I mean, we're we're rushing into uh, track number two, or like the yeah. continuation of the first suite. Well, I just want to quickly emphasize on that on that lead because that lead is definitely kind of a riff, mm. and it's it's oh, so yeah. fun. It's so fun. Yeah, sorry, wanna, it's, great. Know, the, it's great. It's great. You know, it's just. That's a, a that's a crazy it's little so, lead there. It sounds so it's so good. It sounds so wild, you know, almost like um, um, a fairy dancing on on a sea of air. Yeah. You know, it has this really like ethereal uh, spirit to it, right? Yeah, I, I'm so happy that you you uh, you play it because it sounds great. Uh, it also, I mean, on the album, it sounds like something that will come like 10 years later when uh, people start sweep picking. It's not really yeah. what it does. It's more like a hammer-on thing. Yeah. But it's really fluent. It's so fluent. It sounds amazing. There's a very wide, very wide grip also because it goes, the first mm. lick is... So that's almost, that's close to an octave in length, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, if I would go one single note up in the scale, I would be at the octave of the start. And having gone yeah. through all of them, it's uh, again Dorian mode. You know, maybe that's mm. my like, beginning of my love of Dorian mode. Could be Santana mm. and and this band because they utilize it a lot, and it has this. Yeah, it's just fun and a little bit carnivalesque yeah. to use another Ganyf Riffs term. Also, also, uh, but it's uh, just this uh, the the strength of of the the lead here that the. the uh, the riffs are kind of, you know, keeping in close proximity of the the notes. There, uh, we have the, the leading is the very chromatic uh, first riff, and then uh, turning into a blues. It's like stays, you know, fairly close. And then uh, to extend this, you know, very smartly, I think uh, he uses the lead to uh, like jump octaves, yeah. like, uh, octaves, and like jump through the black holes of space, of cosmic space, and really lends to the, I mean, the concept of this being like this uh, space, uh, the superhero, cosmic superhero. Also this uh, ascending harmony lead that is pretty cool there. You know, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. He really goes way out with his guitars. I would say guitars because he's multi-tracked pretty much through Mm. the whole album. It's like one or two or three rhinos all over the place. Yeah, and I don't... Actually, I haven't found anything on the recording of the album, but I remember it being a very short recording. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about this. Kind of live, maybe. I don't know. And then, you know, adding... adding, um, Overdubs afterwards, yeah. Because if there are there are a few uh, live videos uh, of the band and live recordings, and it sounds near perfect. Yeah. It's really good. 
Yeah, it's, it's really fucking good. tight. Check out, uh, there's Montro seventy one on YouTube. Yeah, that's, that's a great one. Mm. Uh, yeah, we're jumping into Armworth, which has yes. uh, this kind of riff that uh, that is developed in the next uh, part of the suite, but it really like starts um, kind of with a, a very light, uh, I would say, not that uh, heavy distortion, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I mean, great lyrics. Uh, what Very was good my vocal melodies too? Huh? Uh, yeah, I was just saying, uh, really good vocal melodies as well. You know, they're yeah. really kind of psychedelic. What was my arm worth when they took it away? Where did they put it, Bella? Where and which way? I just want to sing that because my they mentioned my mother's name in the lyric. Uh, <laughs> where did they put it? Bella. All right. Uh, I thought it was Bella. Bella. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it couldn't be my, my sister's name is Bella. Um, but it's interesting. It's about the soldier that loses his arm. And it kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> the, yeah. it's just insane. You know what I think? I, I think it's like, you know, this ethereal creature, this Captain Beyond, this space uh, hero. I think it may be mm. his former mortal life on, on mortal coil, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, but that's me just going, you know, yeah, association has, Yeah, train. but it's true. It's true. He has ascended now. Like he died on the battlefield, but he touched something cosmic and he became the power cosmic, let's say. He became Captain Beyond. Yeah, he danced madly backwards on the sea of air and he, you know, he recollects what his arm was worth during the war. Yeah, when they took then it he away. enters the myopic void in the last part. I guess <laughs> it's <laughs> unbelievably uh, convoluted, uh, the lyrics, but it's also awesome. Yes. It's really awesome. Uh, what do, you do you have something special on Armworth before we go into myopic void? Uh, not really. I mean, for me, this is all the same song, these first three. So, I, And there's one really crazy riff, but it may be in the, in the prior song, but it's, it's very crazy. It's like... <laughs> That's really what is that? You know, oh, it's wow. madness. I, I so good. <laughs> <laughs> Who comes up with yeah. that? He even sings on top of it. You know, <laughs> what's going? Is on? it in? Uh, yeah. Okay. Which one? It's in the first actually? suite. Uh, anyway, I mean, you can you can listen back. You can listen back there, listener, and find out. But maybe to uh, to pick up some speed, we'll just move into and finish off this section before we go uh, uh, a little bit deeper in the lore of the band. So do you know how uh, Myopic Void starts? Uh, no, I wanted to send that one to you. Okay, it has this great slow... Uh... <laughs> Such a such a nice slow riff. Yeah. Uh, mm, 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 mm. One of my favorite parts of the album, and I love the vocal melody and the lyrics here. With the I no longer, no longer 
multicolor Only gray, only gray I no longer multicolor Only gray, only gray I think it's, it's, it's really cool. Such a nice slow riff. Very uh, laid back. Very yeah, laid definitely, back. definitely cool. Uh, but then it takes a turn. You know, it's really like they, they, they reused the prior riff. Such a nice slow riff. Uh, but they have an acoustic guitar uh, underneath that kind of um, does this, uh, you know, like acoustic guitar, it just strums uh, together. It just cre creates this amazing electricity before they go into like riff territory that's just beyond do you know uh how it ends i kind of do explain. but again for me this yeah. is all one big song i'm not thinking myopic void when i listen to it so please enlighten yeah. us it, it's just like uh. That makes me realize another thing I really thought about when I was going back to this album with great detail is that there are many very good transition riffs on this album. Yeah. Because it really yeah, yeah, yeah. switches all the time, back and forth. Sometimes a, mm -hmm. an old riff rearranged and sometimes a completely new one or they go into a funk part. Uh, but it's always very cleverly uh, glued together with these little uh, riffs like... Right? The, the last part yeah. chromatically goes to the key of the riff they're going for. Uh, so, mm. And I will get back to many of those uh, along the way of this album because there are quite a few. And I think the, the, the fill itself sounds like a kind of jump in the fire, you know, kind of uh, <laughs> kill them all <laughs> again. <laughs> Mustaine-esque, right? Yeah, uh, it's, I think it's... Um, it's very clever this uh when you you kind of made this big statement all of a sudden with uh you follow that up with the the old riff but you have a, a bit of an extension there with right. Then, as a, like a, a, a treat, it's just a short break. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, hold myself back. <laughs> yeah, it's a great riff. And uh, also kind of simple. When it, This is like a separate song, but 
again how they used that transition before mm. uh, to mm-hmm. like really seamlessly so go into it it still becomes like a part of the whole the whole piece that is this album i think yeah, I mean, I think Mesmerization Eclipse is the name of the fourth song or the song that comes directly after uh, the first suite. And I think it's a, one of these songs that is not really connected. It's a, a free it's kind it's of free, a yeah. song. It's a song on its own, uh, but it's a, a bit longer. So it almost is, you know, as a kind of, there's a lot happening in it. It's very yeah. uh, exciting, it's really exciting. And uh, there is quite a long break, you know, be- be- just before that in the suite, um, the songs have been very uh, seamlessly transitioning into each other. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. like you say, it really doesn't matter. There is all one one feeling, you know. Yeah. But then comes this like mega, megalithic riff that it was the first riff I heard uh, with Captain Beyond. Yeah. And uh, it, it, because it was on uh, Entombed's uh, cover EP, I guess. Uh, cover compilation, even, yeah. I want to say Black Juju, am I wrong? That's right, yeah. But I think it was far from an EP, it was like a double album, but obviously from different sessions. Yeah, but, you know, when you talk about... Uh, or when, <laughs> I mean, they, they, they kind of... Short, I mean, their albums were kind of short in the start also, but didn't they get longer? Uh, maybe not. I think Black Juju was obviously also a compilation, you know. And compilations, they're, they're, they differ from the rule, in my opinion. You know, a compilation, uh, I'd rather have it quite long because it's a compilation. Mm. And uh, yeah, Mesmerization Eclipse, great song. Really like a good hard rocker to... This one is not really confusing you like the suite did before. This one is no. really just kind of uh, traditionally composed, I would say, uh, with the kind of normal parts but obviously it's still captain beyond so it's still a bit freaky and goes everywhere they never really get stuck on one page this band and i think that was also part of me really getting into them so quickly and yeah. also kind of maybe staying with them that they never really mm. drag things out uh, usually within two minutes you've heard three different musical landscapes you know exactly no, but it's a very fresh take on like if you go back a few years um uh, in the 60s and like a blues band uh maybe i mean uh, like johnny winter which uh who who uh, bobby caldwell played drums for uh before this uh would kind of uh you know johnny winter i like johnny winter this albino guitar player that's just you know like uh shredding like a motherfucker but yeah, he awesome. uh he kind of stays on the same uh blues uh blues 12 how do you say in uh <laughs> 12 bar in, blues in English 12 bar blues yeah kind of sticks to it does it okay but I mean I think that Bobby really wanted to uh, explore more yeah I mean obviously he has like quite a bit of a prog rocker within him mm-hmm. in the way he arranges and I remember now just for a quick callback again there's so many riffs that, that crazy riff in, in the first suite yeah That's where he sings, you know. No, well, no station, that's for sure. Searching is endless when there ain't no cure. Ooh. And that's the transition into da-da, this da-da. crazy riff. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just. Yeah. <laughs> that's not how you wrote music in the 60s and 50s, man. No one really <laughs> not did. Not really. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, and this was something I was thinking about the whole week. Um, and it, it maybe it deserves a bit of uh, a philosophical approach. Um, yeah. 
Lemmy had this good quote about, you know, like before the Beatles, before rock and roll, there was nothing. There was like insane people sitting at home and you, you know, singing along to this. Uh, uh, how much is that puppy in the window or dog in the window? And like being just, yeah. you know, not cool at all and just uh, crazy, like uh, white people. And, yeah, I mean, the psycho uh, shit well, there was jazz that. as well and uh, a lot yeah. of people like that. But ro- there was like, rock, before rock and roll, there was nothing for most people. Yeah. It was just like uh, crazy. And then you think about like how fast music went from uh, Elvis Presley to Beatles to Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Captain Beyond to Metallica in like right. 20 years. A little more than 20 years. You know, like that uh, That just boggles my mind. I don't know if you have a take on that. Yeah, I mean, only three years after this album, 72, Steve Harris founded Iron Maiden. So it's, it still moves, you know, because that's also another development happening within rock. And I think if you start at, uh, yeah, Beatles is a good place to start, right? Uh, releasing their first stuff in the mid-60s. Like mm. by the mid-80s, it was over almost. Like they, all, they had d- done many laps around the rock and roll circuit and, and yeah. con- con- continuously developed the concept and what, what you could do within it. And I think, you know, restless people, good resources, uh, good musicians, add those three things, right? They are restless. They mm. want to do weird shit. That's why they are into rock and roll. And they are talented because it's competition and they have money because there was an industry surrounding this. So I think all those three strengths combined, uh, rock and roll was unstoppable force at this time, not only in entertainment, but also in, in, in arts, you know. Yeah, you could kind of uh, take that uh, formula. Like uh, I'm thinking Velvet Underground that uh, yeah. came out of uh, an art situation like uh, the from Andy Warhol's factory where they made this uh, live, uh, more happening and performances where they were playing and uh, videos was were projected on the wall behind them and people were taking drugs and dancing yeah. all around them. And it, w- it was really like no end and no beginning to the concert. It just like went on the whole night, maybe several days. Yeah. Uh, and then, then mixed into the, uh, yeah, again, seamlessly into the next experience. Um, yeah. But then also ma- managing, I think that's an interesting band to get back to, of course, but uh, uh, I think that's a successful way of uh, harnessing, like a bit differently, harnessing the, yeah. the power that's inherent in rock and roll. I think that's still exists but it's taking new shapes um but where do we find and i I know you wanted to say something but i just want to like make uh compose a question where do we find captain beyond because i think it's the strength and the problem with them there (laughs) is a strength and there is a problem with them i'm gonna put that in my mind because i wanted to do a quick uh, plug here you know Mm. not plug brag uh, brag about myself for 30 seconds. <laughs> please, please it's, do. Uh, one of my favorite uh, achievements of this year, 2020, is that uh, this album I mixed together with the band Kall, uh, K-A-L-L, so like Call with a K. Uh, they, th- this band was known as the Velvet Underground of Black Metal. Nice. So that's, that's where I made the connection. And uh, when, when I was, uh, uh, what I wanted to brag about is that I found this album now on uh, quite a few uh, 2020 best lists and nice. around, around the internet from different countries so that's nice for me you know, but I'm happy about that and this is uh, this is an experimental band this is in 2020 so you know people are still trying to do to, to go further with with heavy rock and uh, and, uh, and metal I think 
Uh, it's still there and it's still appreciated. I, when I mixed it, I only listened to the Beatles at that time. I told the band too, it's not going <laughs> to sound very metal, very typical metal mix-wise, because I don't listen to it right now. And I, that's not what is, what's in my heart right now. Uh, mm. That was, you know, Revolver and, and Rubber Soul. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of took that yeah. ethic into it. So that was, that was my plug. I think it was short enough. And uh, on your question about, you know, pushing the envelope of rock, I think maybe Captain Beyond, someone said, to him, said uh, it was Martin Popoff, the, the Canadian uh, journalist, he said that they were too late, that uh, everything mm-hmm. they did on this album had been done. I think he's wrong, but he was also alive at the, t- at the time, you know, so maybe he has a point. I don't know. What's your? Let's say if you um, want to defend that. Yeah. For, first, I want to say props to you, man. That's so nice to hear. Uh, super, super cool. I'm excited to see like where where you go next. I mean, the band is is great, so they're gonna do great. And maybe you'll record with them again or produce. Yeah. Uh, but I'm curious to see what you produce next, like the next band. Is this? I think is going places. This is going places. Um, yeah. I, I think. Uh, when you're when you're in it, you know, like you, you when you're when you're experiencing like uh, Martin Popov, uh, you're you're seeing it from a different vantage point. So we have the luxury of looking back, and we know like what uh, what kind of became the great bands and uh, what uh, kind of was ruled out of history, what what disappeared, uh, because like at the time, uh, people were crazy. Um, about bands like Cactus and uh, uh, what free, else? Uh, free, probably, right? Yeah, free, free, exactly. Yeah. That was like hail, like the be- uh, the 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 best biggest, ever. the best. And Black Sabbath was like universally hated by critics. And uh, yeah, because I mean, but it it does it can make sense, you know? Like when, yeah. when you, maybe you went to a, first you go to see a free concert, and it's super. Super simple riff, but it's really like uh, a good sounding stage and a very pretty frontman. And then you go see Black Sabbath right after, and they, it's totally yeah. out of tune. Right. <laughs> and the singer he is usually was. drunk and high out of his mind. Yes. You know, like it, this is like the difference between looking backwards and living the times. Mm. Yeah. And I think that, I, I, like, looking at like the albums that were produced, sure, there's some a lot of experimental stuff. You might even, but I think it's too easy to say that um, what Captain Beyond did uh, had already been done because I don't think it's true. And there is like very practical reasons why they didn't make it. Um, and maybe I'll 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 I'll, 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 let, I'll let that one uh, rest a little bit. But let, I wanted to hear what you think about that. I mean, like living the times and looking back. And and the the worst thing is when you had lived the times and then you're looking back, yeah. and then you change your mind. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. But yeah, I mean, uh, maybe to criticize uh, Popov is that he lived through most of everything he kind of talks about, and he's way into the seventies and eighties stuff, and he he knows his, he knows his shit. But I think 72, he may not have been that old. I don't have his, his birth certificate in front of me, not even the date. But So I think he kind of made that up, and he's not a very psychedelic guy, you know. He, li- he listens to Rainbow. He loves Rainbow, but he likes kind of the, the era. With, his favorite album with Rainbow is uh, also a great album, but it's after the Dio years with uh, Graham Bonnet, um, the mm-hmm. Down to Earth album. He, he loves that one. Also, he likes, of course, Rising as everyone else, but uh, I think... It's two things. He wants to be a bit contrarian because he's a journalist, so he wants to stir up something. 
and so that, that's why he picks a weird album with Rainbow, maybe. Uh, probably is his favorite, mm. but still, you know, it's part of it. And then I think uh, kind of trying to debunk Captain Beyond is part of both his agenda of being a little bit contrarian because they have this underground hype. And also I think it's part of yeah. him just being, you know, a little bit more into the harder and heavier stuff that was to come. So for him, it's yeah. he's too much 60s for him, I think. And that's why he claims yeah. that it's... Um, past because it is a lot of 60s in there but i think it's not a 60s album at all it's very 70s it's very right now and as i said before the first riff it kind of nods back to 50s 50s rock blues but it's still so weird so i think they are looking both back backwards and forwards um, on this record yeah uh so i we can jump right into it but what happened actually was um when when they started out uh, Bobby Caldwell was looking around for like a, a label that they might be on, and he had been playing uh, like the the third uh, the 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 third uh, percussionist with um, the Allman Brothers. Uh, you know, like you have uh, Butch Trucks on drums, Butch Trucks, uh, and you have uh, Johanny Jamo jo- Johansson on uh, on percussion, and then you have uh, had for a while. Uh, a third perc- a third percussionist um and that was Bobby Caldwell and they got really uh, they got along really well he and Dwayne Allman uh so Dwayne said to their um their label Capricorn Records that I I just heard that uh, our percussionist starting a new band uh, with the guys from Iron Butterfly and uh yeah, this old singer from Deep Purple. I think that's when they're like, oh, it's Deep Purple. Oh, sounds good. And this, like, uh, this is interesting because, okay, they, they, they went for it and signed them. But Capricorn was really like, it was not a rock uh, label. It was uh, a sudden uh, rock label. I mean, they had bands like uh, uh, Almond Brothers. And they didn't know how to market a psychedelic prog rock band uh, yeah. in those days. I didn't know about this, but that makes sense. So they uh, they had problems right out of the gate. I mean, first they they did let them produce an album and they they threw money at them at the start. It's yeah, super successful. Uh, people seemed to like it. The critics liked it. The critics liked it. But then, like the AOR guy, he like and the manager that they got. Um, and the manager, I think, was head of uh, a branch of uh, Capricorn. I mean, they had had like very split. Um, uh, Focus. So he was not focused on uh, Captain Beyond. So he put them as an opening ap- act for Shana Nas. Uh, totally like a girl group. Uh, not as far away uh, from prog rock as you can come. And uh, that they were just like booed off stage. Uh, or Shana Nas, maybe it's like a rockabilly outfit. And uh, these guys, these punks, these rockabilly punks in the audience throw stones and coins at the band. <laughs> you know, but oh, Bobby Caldwell later he said like yeah, yeah we survived it was a good experience you know to get the kind of get the the band uh, all uh, united uh, nicely together you know unite us like Opeth then in, it was uh, like, like Opeth in episode one you know the heritage tour where everyone <laughs> hated them for not growling at all or playing playing any metal uh, they also yeah. grew tighter together because of the you know you just need to to, to do that when it's you against the crowd mm. But then it was like you know uh, after that they, they did every time they played like people came and it was it was great but they never got 
um, they never got the big arenas. They never got the the large halls, and they were kind of ignored. You know, first uh, the label had been optimistic and just like threw money at them, but then when they realized that like it doesn't fit, uh, they just felt it was better to just ignore Captain Beyond, like let them do their thing, but we're not going to promote them. Yeah. So they kind of it kind of ran, you know, they ran out of steam. In that sense, and I think that's very, uh, yeah, it's a uh, very unfortunate, and I think that's yeah. a big reason why. And, uh, and hey, it also proves Popoff wrong, I think, because if they had already been done, the promoters would have known what to do with them. Mm. You're right. Yeah. You know, if they could, if they yeah. could put them in, if they could put them in, like they are, they sound like this band. They could look back at what would fit and and so on. So I think they yeah. were more weird than uh, than Mr. Popoff gives them credit for being. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but it's also like we talked about it a bit with Maiden and Metallica, like how great are their managements? Like how great is probably their labels that let them do all these things? They kind of recognize greatness also, uh, recognize the strengths, and they know how to promote them. And uh, I think a lot of bands just didn't have great uh, promotion. And they did. And I mean, you can also like do it the hard way and just go by yourself. Like uh, who were talking about? That went. Uh, it was Mastodon that went all uh, over the East Coast, right? Yeah, they went up and down. You know, really up and down the East Coast with this shitty van and playing maybe first for twenty people and then second time thirty-five and so on, doing the the hard groundwork. And I think it's interesting that you put uh, take managers out because we've been addressing it a little bit in in this show. You have uh, you have the Peter Grant, uh, Peter Mensch from Metallica. You have. Uh, of course, Rod Smallwood, but then you also have the over-the-top managers that maybe went too far uh, with uh, uh, Led Zeppelin and uh, Grand Funk Railroad, right? They were both kind mm-hmm. of going into proper, you know, what's the word, uh, enforcer territory, uh, like uh, criminal enforcers. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, you know, there's levels to, to there's levels to this shit, as they say. And I think uh, the pr- proper management is not only the most brutal one, because even Led Zeppelin, they won, right? They were conquering heroes, but they also didn't play yeah. for that long. So maybe they got too much money, you know? Uh, mm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the reason. Yeah. Uh, and there were other things that play into why Captain Beyond never and still are very unknown. I mean, uh, and I think, but it, it's, I kind of want to bring it back to the record because it's oh, like, yeah. it, of course, there is the story of the band, uh, where they come from, but I kind of want to play, uh, talk about their strengths. Oh, also. I really want to, um, I really want to play my the music. riff of the album. I can do it. Yeah, it's um, because it's also in line of where we are right now with um, another song called The Raging River of Fear. Mm. It has this really cool start. I almost had should stand up when I play this because it's a stand up <laughs> kind of riff, but I, I don't have my strap here, so. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
such cool riffs. Wow, you really, you really killed it, man. That was so nice. Uh, <laughs> that was so great, and especially, I mean, by yeah, I mean, you played all of them almost, uh, all of them good riffages, and uh, but I, I really like dug this. Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really good. cool. I think it sounds so much Jimi Hendrix if I play it without distortion, you know. Like uh Oh yeah. Yeah, it's really a standout track, I think, among all of these tracks, but it's following up. Actually, it's fun. Uh, sometimes, you know, like I, I change my mind now and then, and uh, sometimes I feel that uh, Mesmerization Eclipse and Raging River is some kind of uh, duo, kind of right. taking on the rest of the album. You know, coming out of the gates really strong, both of them. Yeah. Super strong. Um, and there is a song we're going to come to later that also has a fucking opening that's uh, worth. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so good. But uh, these two songs, uh, very interesting and... Uh, Really, really like full of riffs, and especially this one. So many riffs, riffs, riffs. You look left, there's a riff. You look right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, it's it's not my favorite song on the album, but that this riff, you know. That's my favorite riff on the album. <laughs> this James Bond. Yeah, but I also had the you know there is this riff, the first riff that I just showed, and then that Jimi Hendrix riff. But the riff mm. just prior to the Jimi Hendrix riff, the kind of chorus riff, it has also a completely and again different vibe with the. <laughs> Especially that yeah, feel at the yeah, end, yeah. it's so Steve Harris, you know, you know, Rat Child or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, it's ranging from Iron Maiden back to, um, you know, Crosstown Traffic, or not really Crosstown Traffic, but, you know, Jimi Hendrix anyway. So it's also like sits in the middle of the, of the, of the future and the past. Yeah. What a song. Uh, it, it, what a it, cool song. I, you have, you have, <laughs> I mean, I think I've spewed everything I have on this song now, so I really want to send it over to you because I don't want to hog this song. You know, I want to <laughs> hear well, your... Well, I, 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 I want to like go into like the, the lyrics a little bit because uh, it, it's, uh, it's very, it's very uh, how do you say, uh, it, it captures you, I think. Like the, in the bridge, I've been captured by the river of fear. Oh, whoa, whoa, river, oh. but it has this part where I always misheard it, and um, and it's in verse two, and where it comes from and why it's here is a mystery to us all. A black night cocktail storms the land, rush to meet the dawn, and I always thought it was a, a late night drug chase. <laughs> What's <laughs> wrong? Went wrong or something like this. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh yeah, late night drug chase uh, looks sounds real cool." <laughs> and uh, uh, when I was fifteen, 
Yeah. I have no idea yeah. of anything. It sounds kind of cool, but yeah, I think it's cooler the way it was intended. Yeah. Uh, it's a, such a such a cool... Uh, this uh, Also this um, uh, kind of theme of this raging river of fear that is running through us all. The yeah. mind's just a mental battlefield, the memory's full of thoughts. Raging river of fear question to us all. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. And it's, it's still packed with riffs. Everything is. We kind of don't even need to address it, but it's packed with riffs. And it has this, uh, I think there's a lot of heavy metal in this song, but it's also like going back to, again, going back to the 60s and going back to a bit of a Southern rock vibe and uh, yeah. a lot of Dorian again, you know. There you go, that casino, you know, <laughs> that I always loved. My whole life I loved that yeah. kind of interval. So this song is is kind of made for me, I would say. It has everything I like, really, mm. in it. But it's not my favorite song on the album. <laughs> no, but it's perfect. No, I, yeah, uh, it's, it's fun. I, I, you know, we have this uh, we have this thing that's been going on, or now it's been quite a long time ago. But I showed you this album once upon a time. Yeah, and uh, and we listened to it. We both like got really excited. It was really nice to listen to the album together. Maybe we have to do it uh, soon yeah. again. Just like sit down. But we didn't really. We couldn't sit down. We like took our shirts off and started dancing. Like yeah. <laughs> every, every time too. The whole album we danced around. And sometimes <laughs> we would so invite great. others to join. I think we were four or five people at most doing this. Yeah. And everyone would seamlessly go into this ritual. But obviously, I think it was we were intoxicated and it was in the morning most of these times. But having that mm. said, I think we could do it right now, you know. Yeah. yeah Stone yeah. sober. Yeah. It's, uh, it's such a danceable album all, all the way through. And I think it's a lot to do with uh, the rhythm section, Bobby Caldwell and Lee Dorman. Uh, who, who, like I said before, is a kind of um, all over the place, but super tight, yeah. super tight. I mean, but they're taking out, they're they're taking every, uh, a lot of, uh, not every, but they're taking a lot of opportunities to go outside um, and uh, pra- uh, how do you say, uh, you know, experiment also with the rhythms. Uh, and uh, if you haven't heard it in the riffs, like there are seven eights, there are three fours, there are super, uh, a lot of weird. Uh, 70s uh, time signatures of course like abundant yeah. everywhere yeah on this album tons of it and that's also why I, partly why I think Cobble is uh, kind of the band leader because it really mm. is fun for a drummer to uh, both compose and perform these strange songs and with these strange time signatures and kind of get away with it right he's getting away yeah. with murder uh, definitely definitely yeah I mean the Raging River you want to say something more about that one it's just a perfect song, I think, with uh, some of the coolest riffs yeah. I've ever heard, and, and very good sequencing of the riffs. Cool vocals. That's what I wanted to say too. Like he, I really like the first time I heard this album. I thought that this could have been ruined by a, a typical progressive rock vocalist, maybe you know, high pitched, uh, soaring yeah. melodies. But here we have this kind of guy that is just a crooner slash biker, you know. So he has the crooner. <laughs> Memories have only open space to give. And then he has, you know, ground down, which I cannot emulate, sadly. It's one of the saddest facts in my living that I can't do this kind of harsh <laughs> rock vocal that I love so much. And I think it was the first thing I thought about when I listened to it the first time. It was just a great relief that this guy is singing. 
mm. and not you know Ian Anderson yeah. or uh, who else you know those guys high pitch guys yeah yeah and if you go back you talk a bit about Rod Evans because he has um interesting and quite uh, i would say a sad story like uh, overall um yes. and he was the uh, as you said before uh john he was the first singer of uh, the purple mark yeah. one yeah i think mark one um yeah, mark one. and they had i think they had a lot of fun uh if you <laughs> look at some videos they made they made really funny videos back in the uh yeah it was 60s right uh, where they, the band is kind of uh, <laughs> partying at the yeah. pool and they're jumping in the pool. I think it's the the music video to the song uh, Hush, right. if I'm not uh, mistaken. It's a fantastic video. And uh, the band looks really young. Everyone has some kind of uh, Rolling Stones haircuts. Uh, massive and, fringes. Uh, yeah. uh, sorry? Massive fringes, yeah. Yeah, they, massive They look fringes. like mushrooms. They look like uh, dark mushrooms. Yeah, and, and Hush is uh, also like, I think I heard it even before I heard Captain Beyond. It maybe was like one of the threads that led me to this album. Like, first was, uh, or kind of partly was to blame uh, the entombed cover of Mesmerization Eclipse, but also uh, the great song Hush, which was on this uh, Deep Purple compilation that I owned. Uh, and I yeah. listened to it a lot. And the first song was Hush. It was really like going chronolo- uh, chronologically, but there was only one song from the Rod Evans era, and that was Hush, uh, yeah. which is a great song. It's, it's a cover, uh, but it, it, they really make it their own. Yeah. And, uh, they did a lot of yeah, covers I, in the beginning. It was a lot of covers. Mm. They didn't really have a the purple sound. It was more like you know a house band, and they mm. did the whole ha- Hamburg thing. They went down to Hamburg and did their deeds. And a lot of nice stories from um, the drummer himself, Ian Pace, on his YouTube channel, Ian Pace Drum Tribe. You can find some fun, fun facts, or not maybe facts within uh, within quotations, but fun stories from, <laughs> from from these early early years of them doing it with their mushroom haircuts. Oh yeah, um, yeah, and but uh, unfortunately, he was thrown out of the band. I, I don't know the specifics. Um, and I, but I, I'm just guessing now that they really wanted a different type of singer. Uh, less of this, um, and to, yeah, this, uh, how do you say, he, he's more like a remnant, he's more akin to like uh, typical 60s bands like the Monkees or like in the first, you know, in this vocal delivery sort of. It's not flamboyant. Yeah, mm, and it, but he, he's hitting the notes, but it's kind of like a bit amateurish, even uh, or relaxed, so, you know, kind so of relaxed. He's Re- not, he's yeah, good, relaxed, because... uh, not very serious. But then they they change they 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 change up very drastically, I think, to uh, Ian Gillian. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's so yeah. different. It's so different, but so more much more fitting, I must say, to their sound. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry to say, Rod, if you're listening out there, but <laughs> yeah. probably not. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Yes, uh, but I think that switch up was great for the purple, but it left also some room uh, that uh, some, yeah, but some free something space. for Rod. Yeah, free space. Uh, also, kind of uh, Rod Evans was kind of uh, you know looking around what what to do next. Should I quit this? I think he almost quit before. Yeah. Bobby Caldwell uh, hit him up and they they started talking. Yeah, I mean, uh, on on that note of uh, of the change of singer, I think it has uh, very much to do with where Deep Purple wanted to go. So I don't think they were yeah. 
not I don't think they were unsatisfied with his performance in where they were, but I think they had an idea of where they wanted to go. And Ian Gillen yeah. was the guy for that. And I think that's quite common. You don't always look at it like that. If you'd read the, you know, if you read the press today, that would be blabbermouth or loudwire. You know, if you read the press, mm. everything is drama. But sometimes it's just, you know, it's just music. We want to yeah. do this, and all four of us <laughs> want to. So I don't think they, I don't think they fired him for being a bad mm. singer or a bad frontman. I think they just had a this really really strong vision of where to go. And Gillan yeah. is not even my favorite vocalist in Purple. I think uh, David Coverdale is is the best mm. best era of Purple. Burn the Burn album and Stormbringer, I think <laughs> really really <laughs> hot albums. know what it reminds me of yes i know and i'm uh, yes I can just, you know I can, i'm sure it must be uh hello be thy name right yeah yeah definitely previously on game <laughs> it's for really now when i was uh, previously on game for it uh, exactly. <laughs> very cool I, I'm, I'm quite sure steve harris must have been li- steve harris must have been listening he, i'm sure he loves uh captain beyond it's not far-fetched because one of his favorite bass players was uh, Chris Squire from from Yes, right? He was very into progressive progressive rock. So he must have heard it. And it's so much like uh, this one is in 5-8. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So even more advanced, I guess. But it has this soaring, sad uh, minor vibe to it, you know, with the... And then with the underlying bass chords that kind of color it and dramatize it, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. It's very close. And uh, it's just, uh, we're talking, of course, about uh, the next big suite on the album. Thousand Days of Yesterdays. Time since coming on. Thousand Days of Yesterdays. It's really it's strange uh, to say it out loud. <laughs> uh, the, it, it, within uh, uh, brackets intro. This this song is great. I mean, it's just it's uh, a small intro, but it, in itself, is very uh, very successful. I think. Yes. In, uh, and the five uh, the five eight thing really works because it's it gets yeah. an amb- ambiguous mood. Uh, I would I learned that from um, uh, when I studied film music or film scoring that uh, when you want to try to get create this ambiguous mode, you usually use odd time signatures. It's quite common yeah. in in movies. So I think most like let's say. Um, non-music fans uh, the vast majority of their their consumption within odd time signatures is from soundtracks 
because there it's very common because uh, when you do a 5-8, it, it leaves a restless feeling because you get 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and those two bars have different emphasis. So it feels like jolted or tilted in a sense, and then comes around again. So it's like being stuck in a, in a loop that doesn't make sense, but it also makes sense. So it's, it's really like uh, ambiguous, you know, like uh, let's say uh, you can't make up your mind uh, in life even. That's that's to a five eight beat. Oh yeah. Uh, do you know what else is in uh, else is in five eight? And it, it's kind of also related to um, uh, to what you're saying. It's very common in video game music, and we're going back there again. All right. Uh, but in in uh, Sonic the he- Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, right. A lot of the songs there are in five um, five eight. Uh, I, I sometimes say five four, but it's because uh, that last um, you, you're so you're so used to the four four beat, you know, like uh, yeah. it's within the realms of what you know. But when you add this extra beat, you're kind of falling over yourself to to uh, yeah. to come out to get back to the first beat, and that's really good in Sonic where everything is going very fast. So you kind of this, the music itself is falling over itself. You know, like to get somewhere. It's really hectic, and uh, really works well. It's uh, interesting. Yeah. And then, uh, another Opeth parallel. You know, they use five four a lot, and they use it for the same. You know, it does have a beat to it, like ta But it's uh, it it hasn't made his mind up. It's like kind of losing its mind rather. Yeah. <laughs> I also have a super long tangent on on Sonic. There, it's maybe it's too long. I, I will like make a nucleus version <laughs> of it. <laughs> like Sonic the Hedgehog uh, is a has a really great soundtrack, and in Sweden we have this dude Håkan Hellström, who's kind of the a weird, uh, let's say, andronogous version of Bruce Springsteen here in Sweden. Really big, mm. really really big. He sells out arenas, and and he stole one of his. Uh, one of his best melodies from Sjöning and Sorg from Göteborg, straight out of Sonic, is a complete obvious thievery. And uh, the reason I wanted to go into him at all, <sighs> which is absolutely off topic, is that I think I think he really was this underdog when he came out. He couldn't really sing, and he kind of got support for that. Mm. And that's where I want to tie back to Captain Beyond not making it. They were not underdogs, mm. you know. They were accomplished already. So I think there was maybe no story yeah. to follow. Like there was no no fight to follow if you listen to us speaking you can you can follow us getting better at trying to present riffs and playing guitar and everything but when you look mm. at captain beyond they just kind of started being masters at once and maybe not, that's not the best you know they didn't have their kill em all they didn't have their iron maiden first album they just this is too good and to just uh, kind of illustrate that What you say? All about a thousand days of yesterday. All about what you do. She's gonna love. She's gonna love. She's gonna love you. Yeah. Sorry. 
Here we have uh, more of my favorite riffs in uh, in Frozen Over, obviously. Mm. That is uh, perhaps the most heavy metal tune on the album, isn't it? The start is very Definitely. it could the start could be from uh, Prowler by Iron Maiden or from Trapped Under Eyes by Metallica, this kind of yeah, and and yeah, 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 power yeah, yeah. chords. And then I, the way he fills is it was really fun for me to try and practice those because it's super speedy fills there. Like the Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Also Yeah, I mean, that so riff good. reminds me of uh, Immigrant <laughs> the, 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 Song, you know, uh, uh, or actually also about Tom, Tom Morello, right? Because what would Tom, what would Tom Morello say? What would he say? <laughs> yeah, it, what he would say, like, when in doubt, uh, <laughs> hit the F, F sharp, uh, yeah, sharp you right? Rock out. <laughs> Because you get uh, this, you, you get this steady like, access to the to the fifth and uh, to the sixth. So not no the seventh. Yeah. So you get the you know. That. It's that's very cool. Yeah, and then like. It's That's so another good, transition yeah. riff, right? Uh, he has so many of those. Like. Yeah. yeah. It's frozen over. I don't Honey, your face is frozen, frozen as could be. Baby, your face is like a block of ice, cold as the deep dark sea. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah, it's so good. I, I also have to emphasize lyrics. again on the sequence of these riffs, you know, going from the anthemic yeah. and then into the, the heavy ass and then the weird and then those kind of nice mode shift right yeah. and then after that yeah, wait. <laughs> that's the cool thing because the riff before really kind of has nothing to do with it uh, it's a different key and everything this is a F sharp minor but then they do the And they, by doing that, they go to A minor. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. go perfectly into... Uh, 
and what a cool riff you know again it's very uh, heavy metal very like new wave of british heavy metal they could do those kind of triplet action i like then how they kind of uh, do another transition yeah. right after that with the yeah That's so good. <laughs> Frozen over, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it's, it's just so many transitions, man. I, I don't think... Have you ever ran into something with these many transitions? And they all are well composed. They work really, really well. Uh, well, I'm thinking more like uh, when, when band has tried, like really, like tried to go for this uh, uh, seamless transitions and seamlessness between the songs... Uh, I'm thinking of uh, King Gis- King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard album uh, that came out, uh, I think now seven years ago, where uh, the whole idea was that you could play it on uh, on repeat and it would kind of go into each other. It had this aspect. I think they really it's a band that really listened to their their yeah. Captain Beyonds for sure. Uh, but it's a bit it's fun, but it's not as successful as this. No, no, I, and then I have a hard time to think about anything that. Uh, Really does it as strongly as it. Maybe a uh, t- completely different band, but <laughs> Blind Guardian, one of their like that. Tolkien, like <laughs> Tolkien al- albums with, with this uh, uh, super, uh, it's almost like Manowar style uh, in between skits where they read, you know, they kind of re- re- reenact scenes from the Silmarillion. And, <laughs> and I have to, so I have to go get the Blind Guardian riff soon. I mean, this is just like. What a band. Yeah, me too. I got five German bands on my list now. I had four, but now I have five. <laughs> because, oh my I mean, God. Germany just, I think Germany <laughs> has a spot in this show. And I know that we've got some listeners in Germany. Hello, ich bin uh, Jonathan auf Gainit for Riffs. Ich bin uh, super thankful. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I, can, I understand German, but I can't speak it. But I, we're yeah. glad to have listeners down there anyway. So, uh, Halli, hello to you guys. And uh, there will be many German bands co- are coming. Yeah. Because I uh, I think it's an underrated music nation. Ausgezeichnet, man. Ausgezeichnet. But now we are on Captain Beyond. We are on Frozen Over. Great track. We used to play. We used to play this a lot. We used to jam this a lot. I remember, like uh, you singing the "Mama Don't Mind." What you say? All about a thousand days of yesterday. What you say? All about a thousand days of yesterday. Mama don't mind what you do. She's gonna love. She's gonna love. She's gonna love you. Ah, so good. Oh yeah, so cool. Yeah, and then it's kind of the. It's just. Um, nah, it's great. It's such a also quite uh, theatrical. That opening, you know, like with the big yeah. power chords and uh, yeah, all. It, it's fun that you, you also bring in... He does like do these small uh, lead uh, uh, lead phrasing in between. I mean, kind of like a no- normally you wouldn't even think about it. But I think I got really inspired by it subconsciously. And I, I would try to make riffs that sounded sort of like, uh, you know, like... Uh, yeah. Something like that that I would torture, torture, torture yeah, you, especially when you wrote your when you wrote your own bass lines for for the Reverend, when you used to write bass lines and you used to kind of 
much to the chagrin of our bass player Lars, <laughs> you wrote uh, some bass lines that really had this super speedy Captain Beyond speed, like the one, you know. <laughs> because that's hard, you know, it's, it's not even in the same box, <laughs> so it's really hard to... <laughs> And then you you kind of asked our very good bass player. Yeah. I mean, he was really good, but he was still like, "Ah, this is not playable." <laughs> like, uh, he was an easy easy guy, easy guy to have in a band, but uh, he had his limits, yeah. and uh, that was one of those. Yeah, yeah, there is a. But yeah, again, Frozen Over. What a cool track! Uh, it's just really. Is it going back to the River of Fear now? Is the River of Fear Frozen Over? Yeah, right? maybe, maybe. Uh, and why, and why what's not? about these thousand days of yesterday? Time since come and gone. What's that? You you kind of sometimes at this point in the album you kind of have to just let go and kind of believe that That's what they're gonna bring you home. You know, like with, with their big, uh, big, yeah. big uh, outliers, big tangents, big like uh, walking, taking an extra lap around. <laughs> you know, yeah. they've been on a walk. They've been on a brisk walk. But hey, let's go like really trek. Let's go to Nepal and yeah. walk the Himalayas uh, here because right. we have uh, 35 minutes. Gain it for riffs. And I mean, uh, these uh, when in doubt things, you know, I think Captain Beyond has a trick. When in doubt, when they've done everything else, they go into funk. And that's in the song after the... Yeah. I love those parts. Nice. It's so energetic. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, if you've yeah, been yeah. rocking out really hard and you still want to bring more energy, you do this funk, right? Yeah. Uh, they will do it again later in the album, a couple of times at least. I like it. Um, yeah, and then we're actually back in uh, Thousand Days of Yesterday, Time Since Come and Gone. Uh, you have anything on that one? I like that yeah. too. It's, it's so naive. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't know that one. I love it. I love it. And this song has a really cool solo, super psychedelic. Mm. And uh, again, speaking about time measures, the intro is in 7 8, you know. And then it kind of switches with the, as well as the, which is in normal 6-8. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like any of them are odd to uh, as compared to the other. Yeah. It kind of flows Agree. very naturally, like a band like Tool would do. Yeah. Like they play intricate uh, time signatures, but it doesn't sound like mm. it. It has a flow. Oh, I agree. It's so easy to um, to take that. Um, I mean, now, 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 I think they're well, well versed, well, well versed 
in their time signatures, so they, so they know how to play it in a way that's listenable and danceable. I mean, as yes. opposed to some bands like uh, you know the kind of the gent bands that kind of just w- goes out of the way to make things uh, insufferably angular and really like uh, emphasize right. ev- the the weird beats in a very annoying way, a way that creates this. I don't know if you agree. Maybe you have a take, but it it, it creates this normally in gent music or like I'm thinking Meshuga maybe creates this um, start and stop feeling that okay okay, good riff good riff it's over no it's such a where am I you know you lose your you lose your way but here on this album like not only is it effortlessly and seamlessly transitioning between the songs but also between (laughs) the time signatures in super successful ways I think of course like bands like Yes and Genesis were really good at it also I mean they're brilliant but i think this album really like it's uh, on a it's uh, in a league of its own i think yeah and i mean speaking of uh, meshuga they have a different method as compared to tool or captain beyond tool is doing the kind of 60 70 psychedelic uh, uk thing yeah. with a lot of time signatures but meshuga they're doing 4/4 most of the time but no instrument emphasizes on it except for the, the snare and the and the cymbal so, you know, they have this continuous 4-4, four, four, and if you can get into that, it's less start-stop. They are ah, quite okay. seamless. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously it's kind of start-stop sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when you go into gent, that's definitely the case. <laughs> Periphery and such, and such acts. But, I mean, I'm not the best guy to talk with there because I kind of despise gent. <laughs> uh, but I like Meshuga. And then we have Tool with, uh, with doing the old school thing. We're kind of seamlessly trying to combine all these odd beats, mm-hmm. uh, and they're doing it great they're doing it really really good but i would say that captain beyond with cobwell on the kit they're doing it as good because when i listened to this the first time i didn't think of it as a rhythmically weird album i thought of it as a weird album because it is <laughs> but i thought of it as a quite kind of made sense you know there is rock and roll throughout you know riffs like uh... that's also in a, like an odd signature yeah it's a five eight <laughs> but it sounds so anchored in in heavy metal yeah, yeah, or yeah. rock or early or heavy rock, I would say, like Tony Iommi used to call the genre. No, that's a heavy uh, rock riff. It's interesting. Maybe you stick on that riff a little bit because it, they, uh, it's kind of like this. You think when you're not very, you know, like you're not so well versed in your uh, time signatures that it would be be like this. Exactly. More like uh, trying to tie it to some kind of weird four-four that doesn't exist and shouldn't exist in that song. Yeah, and that would make it e- that that riff doesn't fit that. It needs uh, another time signature. It needs another beat. You know, and it's interesting how they yeah. it would be so interesting to be a fly on the wall when you know whoever brought in the riff. I'm uh, guessing Rhino brought it in. You know. Uh, yeah, but then how probably. they kind of beat it into shape uh, with with rhythm, like deciding that it was going to be 5-8 or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. you know. But I would also guess that quite often it would be uh, Cobwell just uh, jamming out his beat yeah. and Rhino coming up with something on the spot. Oh, and yeah. I think that's uh, like why the, the transitions are so strong because you don't kind mm. of, you don't do this as an afterthought, you know, like... 
it has a flow of a of a jam room rather than you sitting mm. by your computer trying to put part C and D together, right? Yeah, uh, this kind of flow. So I think it, it's not a, this is not a bedroom drummer or bedroom guitarist album. <laughs> no, one bit. No, it's like, very live. This, this this is a co-joint jammed out effort. Yeah, and they they I think they've really probably put their strength in trying to focus it because it is so out there. It is so beyond. Mm. So they're, they're trying to focus it, and uh, a lot of this is like is is made uh, reality by these good transitions, which I think you write you know on the spot kind of. Yeah. Um, it, one interesting thing about the band is that it's uh, an American band with a, a British singer. Uh, right. And, and I always thought of them as a British band, but they're mostly American, uh, which is kind of interesting. I'm mean, thinking like at the bands at the same uh, same time in... Uh, there are like American band playing more British uh, rock go back to the yeah. episode of uh, uh, kind of two episodes back maybe with uh, when I brought uh, In a Gara da Vida uh, yeah. and you brought uh, Grand Funk and Grand Funk super American band of course <laughs> obviously yeah. we're an yeah. American band and uh, and uh, but there I also felt that uh, that Iron Butterfly would could could be uh, a British band more uh, they right, have this right. kind of this riff searching that is very different. Yeah. Uh, but what what happens with and what is very successful with Captain Beyond is uh, that that emerges the the powerful you know like. Uh, which I think is uh, is very American uh, with uh, yeah. something. Uh, Kind of more, more, more British. I don't know. No, I don't know. In Crimson, like uh, weirdness. Definitely, they had uh, they had their listens to King Crimson before writing that. I'm sure. Uh, but I thought um, <laughs> did uh, feature this uh, beautiful uh, uh, solo lick there. This lead. Uh, I don't know. I think we, ju- we just have in, in the in thousand days of yesterday, in the end there. I think we just have to uh, cut it in, edit it in here, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to look at it, but it was kind of hard for me to dive into, and I was already kind of 
my mind was already a mess from all these riffs that I had to learn. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we should do that. That would be a good shortcut to kind of pay tribute. It's an amazing solo, very psychedelic. Uh, uh. Yeah. I think it's some kind of uh, uh, harmony going on there as well. It's very tasty, extremely beautiful, yeah, and sure. and it's kind of um, yeah. And uh, one thing that I have to say, I, I went through this, you know, to learn the riffs of this album, and I, I often get helps uh, get helps by tabs. Look at a lot of tabs, yeah. and there aren't that many tabs uh, with this band. You kind of have to look around. It's like the birth of the internet, sort of. Uh, where do I find yeah. this? Where do I find this? You know, oh, it's the sweat is starting to pool, and I knew like a couple of riffs, like uh, "Frozen Over" and uh, "Mesmerization Eclipse." Uh, but then, like, go into uh, yeah, the stuff like "Raging River of Fear" and uh, uh, what's coming next here. Also, uh, it's uh, yeah, I really had to find some tabs to make uh, make heads or tails, and I think they're still wrong. <laughs> but then then I also kind of yeah. because there is not so much tab also the solos are not uh, very well uh, researched and uh, there I, you really brought it uh, in this episode I must say and I think this is so important um, it's not just the riffs and the beats but also Rhino's solos and leads that just are sprinkled like fairy dust all over the album so beautiful and it's also always going from riff to lead and back to riff again uh, kind of in Jimi hendrix fashion you know yeah. this uh soul soul not solo but soul guitarist of a band um taking both roles and uh, really going in between them without a keyboard underneath yeah. they don't have a keyboard you know essentially this is this kind of power trio with a singer you know like uh, misfits or black sabbath yeah. early black sabbath i should say you got the next song coming up here, tabbed by uh, Joel Sorensen. Could he be Swedish? Right. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Danish. Danish, maybe. Who knows? Uh, Shout out to Denmark. We have listeners in Denmark, too. Good to have you guys around. I like Denmark. I like so I want, too. I want, we're kind of moving into the to the end of the album. Still a lot to go over, though, I, I feel like. Uh, and, uh, it's a huge suite. It's a huge yeah. suite. Maybe the most important one. Uh, jag måste pissa bara. Ja, vad nice. Okej, okay, jag tränar lite. Sitter och, hopp, sitter och hoppar i stolen. Gör så. Intro, motherfucker. Uh, yeah, we're definitely heading into uh, the I Can't Feel Nothing suite, and I think it's the most stonerish part of the album. Definitely has a lot of uh, stoner grooves in it, uh, this song, uh, this suite, uh, Can't Feel Nothing. And the start with that really weird... Uh... Uh, and then the... Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get back to that part, but uh, <laughs> uh, some really cool riffs here with the, again, quite what we were stone rock kind of vibe to it i think with the all, all these melodic riff runs you know single string type stuff uh, that kind of ties uh, the the intro to the to the actual verse where they also have the and they also cut the last hit before going into the next riff which is a good effect instead of doing the very final D there, they skip it, so... Yeah. I, I played that wrong again. It goes like this. Also has the, the purple haze chord previously featured on Gaining for Riffs. It has a lot of games for ifs tropes in it. I, definitely, I uh, definitely. The, you know, you have the the purple haze chord mm, in there. Mm, uh, mm, it's mm. somewhere previously on the album as well, but it's very featured here with the. That kind of thing. Yeah. And then also you have a little bit of Kill em All again with the riff that I don't know this riff but you played it let's put Octave on Back at the F sharp, like we should always go there. It's a very heavy riff, you know. It's like a variant also of the uh, when we were there earlier, but this one is even heavier. Crazy. Yeah, like uh, it ties back to uh, from Frozen yeah, Over. Yeah, uh, the lady's a slave, and she, but this one is even heavier, and it is. I think it's as heavy as this riff. You know. Uh, symptom of the universe uh, sure. is on that level of heavy. Yeah, yeah. and it, it is uh, for sure. I mean, now we're on. Uh, <laughs> I can't feel nothing. Part one. We're starting this voyage yeah. beyond. I mean, this, this suite, the third suite, is even weird. It's maybe the weirdest one. Maybe the mo most uh, kind of uh, take also kind of uh, asking the more the most from the listener. Um, if you yeah. agree, I mean, we're we're starting on this kind of rocker. Uh, I can't feel nothing. Part one, and then we move yeah. <laughs> into like how I started the episode. I, I recited um, uh, this uh, verse, yeah. this uh, lyric from "As the Moon Speaks uh, to the Waves of the Sea," uh, which is like. Mm. 
listen. Yeah, I nice, nice, nice. Uh, and uh, with this, like, this lyric nice. is just like a showstopper as well. I mean, it's almost yeah. as good. I think it's even better than the opening of Frozen Over. I mean, because it has, <laughs> it's so psychedelic and uh, but cosmic. I almost say cosmic. Listen. Yeah. Jump on a moonbeam and ride, ride it, glide it all the way. It's so good. As the as the moon speaks to the waves of the sea and of an ocean relic of the times that used to be. Many years have passed since your vision came to me, and I think of you only as the moon speaks to the sea. Ah. Yeah. It's so cool. And with a bit of dramatic flair, he gets angry at one point. <laughs> yeah. As the moon speaks. As the moon to speaks to the sea. <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, that re, uh, that's I'm I think it's the fifth time I'm saying this, but that's my favorite part of the album when he breaks into this full-on sweet voice, you know, with the um, uh, memories have only open space to give. But I think that's later in the in the in this song, right? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, when the the moon speaks returns. <laughs> Because in, yeah. in between, ba -da -ba -da. Ba -da -ba. Yeah. in between, we have the shortest track on the album, "Astral Lady." I think it clocks in at around fifteen seconds, and it's very strange. It, I mean, you you won't hear it uh, when you're listening to the vinyl or the CD, but if you would listen to it on like a, a lesser streaming service, if it was available, you would hear the you know the start and the stop of the tracks. <laughs> That one. Yeah. And then it's like a fake, yeah, it's so a fake, uh, fake out before they go back to as the moon speaks returns because it, it's going later to become I can't feel nothing, part two. But we're not really there yet. It's a very cool part. As the moon speaks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, and now, uh, since we're, we're closing off to the end, I wanted to talk a bit about what happened with uh, Captain Beyond. Maybe the last reason why they never became anything. Um, they released uh, the self-titled album in 1972, and uh, they were uh, hot. Uh, I mean, they were, they were thinking themselves hot, but they kind of realized that they were having troubles with uh, Capricorn Records. Uh, but they went ahead and uh, started um, uh, kind of uh, searching for where to go with the next album. And surprisingly, um, there is a totally different diff different feel on that album, uh, sufficiently yeah. breathless. It has a, a Latin kind of salsa feel spring as yeah. a, like throughout the whole album and it was actually not you would think maybe okay maybe that was bobby caldwell coming with an idea that ah yeah let's bring these cool rhythms in but it was actually 
uh, Rhino, Rhin- Larry Rhino Reinhardt, mm. who had some friends who played this kind of music, and he was like, oh, yeah, the kids are going to love it. So <laughs> he brought he brought <laughs> that in, and Bobby Caldwell was so angry that he quit the band that he started, and uh, yeah, he, he only came. Out. He's not on it. Yeah, he only came back after they recorded this album. Uh, then he was back. Yeah. He was like, "Fine, yeah. I'll play. I play on the tour because I want to play with you guys." But uh, so they brought in two extra uh, players uh, to play percussion, uh, and it, it definitely is very different. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, maybe in the future we'll we'll go venture into the uh, this album and the next, and I don't know. We're, we're sticking with the first album. I think that's uh, smart. Yeah, that's the concept. Yeah, it's a pretty good album, uh, sufficiently breathless. Yeah. But you can tell that Cobble is not there, so it's not really Captain Beyond because there's not much of that odd time signature, that crazy kind of going from here to there. It's it's a very normal type album, and then uh, like subsequently they released. Uh, Dawn Explosion. Cobble is back, but then um, no longer is uh, Mr. Rod in the band. He's not on yeah. the third album. So it's kind of only the first album that really has the Captain Beyond spirit full frontal. Yeah. And strangely enough, they found someone who sounds exactly like him, though. Um, but there is yeah, something. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't help because it's not his mind, it's not his ideas, right? Yeah, and it's uh, it's like the 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 songs. The, I mean, it's okay, but then like when good, uh, good. a like song it. like Uranus Expressway, <laughs> when they start singing <laughs> Uranus Expressway, Uranus. <laughs> I mean, I just ah, <laughs> what's going on? This is a yeah, joke I band. I, I like those albums, but I mean, some kind of Schönsrock. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, I mean, trying to follow up this debut would be hard, even if you had the, the band yeah, on full throttle, yeah. right? Because That's it's such a good it. debut. So I think with the band decimated, it's absolutely impossible to match this. They have no mm-hmm. chance whatsoever at doing it. And as a listener, you kind of know that going in, which makes it easier. But still, you know, I've listened to this album way, way more than those yeah. two. Yeah. I think I've listened quite quite a lot to uh, Sufficiently Breathless, the second album, especially Drifting in Space and the title track, I think, are... Great, really, really good, and I think that the there the the salsa aspect really fits uh, within this cosmic um, uh, tales that they're telling. But yeah, yeah, but it's still like simplified in a way, and I think that Rod Evans was really like had enough also after this album. Like, why is it so different? Uh, you know, and uh, they had they had some falling out, so he quit. And here is where like the yeah, I mean, here it's really gets sad. I think. Um, yes, I agree. So, uh, so there are two, maybe two, two ways of looking at this because you have, uh, to me, it's a story of Bobby Caldwell, and you have the story of uh, Rod Evans. Uh, Rod Evans is the guy who kind of gives up. He, he tries one more time, and this is really like the weirdest and maybe like saddest thing I ever heard. He gets tricked by this manager uh, to start a Deep Purple. A mark yeah. whatever mark seven or something like because he, he i think he gets tricked that the the rights are up in the air or something that uh, it would be mark uh, five or six uh, yeah. yeah but yeah you're right and, it, and today it's known as bogus deep purple if you want to yeah. look it up but i'm gonna let you continue on this one yeah and i mean there's probably a lot to say about this but um and he thinks that uh, yeah maybe Richie Blackmore is gonna join back in and uh, everyone. Yeah, I mean at back. the time we have to add this for 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 perfect background. At the time, Deep Purple does not exist. 
yeah. is an important fact here because after Tommy Bolin had his um, tragical end to his life, they didn't, you know, it was way too late to carry on. They almost quit before that because of the severe yeah. problems that were, you know, problems of just being in a rock band, but also problems from heroin and cocaine, mm. basically. So they were like, we can't do this anymore. Uh, I think uh, famously David Coverdale came in to quit the band, came into John's, um, John Lord's uh, dressing room and and they both quit at the same time in there you know they spoke over each other quitting the band and then they hugged you know because that's two good guys you know they, they are kind of the the sweethearts of the band if you will mm. and Ian mm. Pace and also Roger Glover anyway mm. uh, the band had ended <laughs> there was yeah. no Deep Purple yeah so it's, it's, it kind of made sense there that there was some uh, like a low life manager here they are again you know I, there are good good guys in management and yeah. there are bad guys you know and this was a bad guy who saw an opportunity for a quick buck and like really taking this legend uh rod evans like the first singer of the purple like tricking him and i'm thinking yeah. like it's it's really bad it's okay it's not as bad as when um and, and this is i really believe this conspiracy theory i don't know what you think that um that jimmy hendrix was uh he was killed by someone else by uh, uh mm. this promoter who uh who uh forced him to drink red wine that he, he mm -hmm. rarely drank. And they drank so much that he um, choked on his own vomit and died. Yeah, I think there were sleeping pills involved as well. But yeah, if this, yeah. is a, if this comp conspiracy is true, maybe he could have uh, spiked the, the wine, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, something like this. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know the conspiracy theory very good, but it, it's like something, it makes oh, a kind like of it. sense, you know? Like, this is... Uh, yeah. uh, or does it? I don't know. But but if, if, if that is a true story, let's say, I just want to put this Rod Evans tragedy on, like, and it's kind of, of course, he didn't die, but he maybe he did, because no one has heard from him since. Uh, yeah. Since uh, in the beginning of 80s, right? Or end of 70s, maybe yeah. it was? Like this failed, yeah. bogus, deep purple. After that, he was so ashamed that he left. Yeah, what happened? Uh, they got they got sued to their knees, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even even aforementioned good guy John Lord, which is, I mean, every testimony on this guy is that he was a, a great person, like mm. very very nice to be around. There's even this video on YouTube when he's jamming with the the <laughs> the bass player and drummer from Opeth. You know, Opeth mm. is a shit band compared to what he's up to, but he's just taking <laughs> his time to jam with these guys. It sounds pretty good. But uh, yeah, John Lord, the good guy anyway, uh, the kind of super confirmed good guy, even he is like, yeah, this can't, this can't pass, you know, because they were playing songs from Deep Purple way after uh, Rod had left too. They played songs from the Gillan era as well as the uh, Coverdale era with uh, Hughes. So they're like, here's another song of ours. And then they play a song from way beyond when anyone was in Deep Purple. That's very strange. That's very strange. One of the dodgiest uh, setups that I've ever heard of in rock. Yeah, and so tra uh, tragic. I mean, like, uh, what couldn't, couldn't they have just kept it together? You know, kept them beyond. And kind of yeah, found exactly. a, found a better uh, better record label or whatever. You know, yeah. you look. Uh, yeah, and you know what? I would have loved to hear Captain Beyond hit the eighties and hit it hard. Like add these <laughs> weird synthesizers and shit. It wouldn't be my favorite Beyond. But, you know, I like Turbo, <laughs> Judas Priest. And I'm a big fan of early CZ Top, but I do like Eliminator. You know, I, I kind of like when bands uh, find themselves in a new decade and to, just to see what they would do. 
I mean, today uh, there is a Captain Beyond, but that's basically just uh, Cobwell's uh, kind of wedding band project, you could say, making a bit of dough on the old yeah. name. Yeah. Would it be something like... Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, the arm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Bobby Colway, that, that's the other. I mean, that's the guy who kind of kept on fighting. Uh, yeah. But he, but he ran into even more. Like I think that's also quite tragic. But it has uh, maybe I don't know. It depends on uh, on uh, what kind of person you are. But it has a hum- humoristic twist almost to the story. After. Uh, yeah, during the, the when he left the band, he was, he, he toured as a session drummer, or like he played as a, a touring drummer for Rick Derringer, this rock guy. It's pretty good actually. It's similar to John Winter, I would say. Uh, and then he came back, and then he, he quit again. But then he started a new uh, new supergroup, and uh, among the notable members was the original singer from Yardbirds that we mentioned before, Keith Ralph. Okay. Uh, it Ralph played together with Jimmy Page and uh, is it Eric Clapton Yardbirds right yes so I would imagine I would imagine he's a great singer maybe a bit of a old school R&B vibe or something uh, yeah and they started the band and they made one record and it's fucking amazing it's called Armageddon this band is called Armageddon Mm-hmm. And it's fuck. It's like the continuation. I think it's really like what um, what Captain Beyond, uh, what what he had in mind for Captain Beyond, what okay. they what their second album would be. Uh, and I found it last year on vinyl in uh, Abramsberg in Stockholm, and I was so happy. And it cost nothing. It was a great mm. shape. No one had listened to it, and it's amazing. And uh, yeah, uh, I'll send well, it we to you touched, later. We have never talked about that even outside of the show. This Bromma Records or. Um Vin och Yl in Abramsberg. It's my favorite shop uh, today. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. I bought the Billy Cobham Spectrum, uh, which is, you know, with Tommy Bowden on guitar, aforementioned guitarist that was on Come Taste mm-hmm. the Band with Deep Purple. And there was also like US Press in great condition. Uh, I just immediate buy. I just put it on the desk directly and said, I'm going <laughs> to look for some more. <laughs> and, uh, they have the best kind of staff. I love yeah. this kind of staff. They leave you alone <laughs> when you enter yeah. and when you browse. But when you come up to the desk, you can just engage in nerdy discussions. Yeah, and you can yeah, see yeah, in their yeah, faces yeah, yeah. that that they're kind of, you know, because also they are open only on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. So they don't mm. work themselves over. And they're always yeah. ready to talk, nerd talk about uh, the format. And I, I I wanted to ask them about all these re reissues, right? Why are the sleeves uglier? And we had a 10-minute discussion on printing techniques and uh, why I find them aesthetically less pleasing, as did they, by the way. But yeah, you know, just a small tangent there and a little uh, tribute to Bromma Records. Yeah, so I found uh, I found Bobby Caldwell's and Keith Ralph's um, only album together, the fantastic Armageddon, which has, uh, I mean, yeah, I won't play, but, but yeah, okay, so they're kind of hoping that this will go somewhere. Uh, I think if you're looking at like the, when it came out, maybe it is a bit late. It's super heavy, you know. Like it, this, this is more okay. what, like what happens in the '90s when uh, Caius comes into the picture. I mean, right, it's kind yeah. of like that. It's super heavy. It's great. It really works. Um, but then the, the troubled Keith Ralph. He, uh, yeah, I mean, if he took drugs or if he was drunk, but he he decided to um, uh, play guitar while taking a shower ill-advised he uh, he took a shower and he played a guitar elect- elect- electric guitar and he was fried 
Um, some say he was in the bathtub, but I like to think he was in the shower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I yeah. first heard the story. Very ill-advised to play electric guitar in in, in, in yeah. the water. I guess he was high as, uh, high as holy hell. Or something uh, very stupid, maybe. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> it's a very tragic end, but it's also kind of uh, insane. So it's almost you know it becomes funny in a way. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of it, yeah, fall a big uh, uh, a high fall, fall from fall from a lar- large fall from grace, so, fall, fall from grace. From grace. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's the story, and then uh, kind of nothing happens. I mean, he, he poor uh, Bobby Caldwell. He he wants to. He starts bands after band, but nothing happens. You know, he's really like yeah. this guy who tries, and he's a fucking good drummer. He's amazing. He's one of the best rock and roll drummers. You know, and uh, yeah. uh, he gets uh, a call from um, Rhino and uh, Lee in '98, '99 or something, and they like talk about starting. Uh, Starting black, uh, black, black, putting Sabbath, the band black, back together, black, black beyond, yeah, putting the band back <laughs> together, and it's it just fails, totally fails. They release some live issues, some kind of uh, some kind of single, and it just like yeah, doesn't work. And uh, yeah, in 2012, both Rhino and Lee Dorman die. Um, so <laughs> th- and then that leaves uh, supposedly only Bobby Caldwell left. Except Bobby claims that uh, he has had one uh, one telephone call with Rod Evans uh, in in the two thousands, where uh, he learned that he is now a doctor and has a very yeah. successful practice somewhere, very secret, and he never wants to be, uh, you know, like because of the whole bogus deep purple, he is totally burnt on rock. He doesn't care. He it's yeah. another life. He didn't live that life, you know, or he lived it and now it's over. And uh, that's uh, hopefully uh, I'm I'm hoping that that's the case that he's uh, yeah, doing good. Uh, on my end of of doing my my own research, um, what I heard is that he did go into the medical medical profession quite mm-hmm. early on. Actually, I think he was in there kind of in between uh, Beyond and uh, Bogus Deep Purple as well. Yeah, and uh, and uh, he is miss- missing in action. You can't get interviews with him. You know, uh, we wish he could be on Gaining for Riffs. Obviously, that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That'd be the most stream episode ever, uh, but aside from that, it would just be very interesting to hear his his voice and his take on these these things. But he has been kind of missing in action as far as the rock scene is concerned. But there has been this testimony that he's like a suburban dad in rural California with a yeah. medical clinic, and that uh, he was last spotted uh, uh, like hosing his yard, you know, watering <laughs> watering the watering the yard, and he he has a shaved head. Shaved head, apparently, which makes sense because if you're no longer in rock, you don't do these transplants and wigs and shit. You just shave it when you get old. Yeah. So he's like this. He's a normal dude now with a shaved head, a white t-shirt, blue jeans, working on his garden. That's the last ever kind of recorded um, spotting of, of this guy. So he's completely out of the rock scene. And that makes it even more interesting for me, like the prospect of talking to him. Because when you're still in the rock scene, you're still doing the company lines, right? Mm. Uh, yeah the new album is the best we're more on fire than ever all you listeners you know like if you watched episodes with your favorite no not episodes interviews with your favorite bands you know that they have these company lines how the new album rocks uh, how they're so fired up and how this this new lineup is even more uh, motivated than the last one and and so on like it would be fun (laughs) to hear the stories from this from this medical practitioner rod evans that 
completely left the rock scene. Yeah. Because he would give a real lowdown on what it, what it actually was. Because I think it's probably as nasty a business as porn. Uh, the music profession or the medical profession? The music profession. <laughs> the, 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 depends which, which I mean, the the kind of Depends on kind of which, which kind of doctor you are. But yeah, no, that you're would right. be super or interesting. Or what kind of nasty, really. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anatomy. Gain it for anatomy. <laughs> Body parts. Body Link. parts. <laughs> so, um, uh, where, where was my arm worth when they took it away? Took it away. Spirit of Russia's hell. Okay, sorry. Where? Yeah. So that was uh, kind of the the end of uh, of Cat and Beyond, and uh, but they live on in the music. And why don't we kind of uh, finish up this album? Um, and where are we actually? We're we're kind of in the middle of the last suite. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I featured as a lady, so we are at the, the return of the As the Moon Speaks, and also mm. at I Can Feel Nothing Part Two. Yes. The last what, three minutes. Last three minutes of the album, but significant. Yeah, significant three minutes though. Yeah, very. And uh, yeah, as, as as you as you brought up, it's it's uh, so nice. The the nice the very fine singing he produces there. You, I think you made a lovely rendition. Maybe you want to do it again. Oh, that one uh, when he when he really charges up for the heavy part and ooh, here he comes. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking, that's so just cool. before that. Just before <laughs> that, I was yeah, that's amazing. But ah, here it comes. <laughs> uh, that's so fucking ooh. cool. That's just you know that's that's rock and roll. For yeah. me, if someone asks me again, what is rock and roll? Do you have all these cliche answers? I'm going to say that. Jonathan what, what, Jonathan, what is rock and roll? It's when Rod Evans wants to pay, make you pay attention to the last part of the first album by Captain Beyond by saying, Ooh, here it comes! <laughs> so good. I was still uh, as heavy, heavy as fuck. I mean, they, they managed to make the ending, you know, like the, the riff we already heard, they managed to make it heavier because of the singing. Yeah. It kind of lets loose totally on this track. It's amazing. Yeah, what it does there is very similar to Sac de la Roja coming in, you know, bring that shit in or uh, uh, bring it back or bring it down. It's an MC move, right? Yeah. Oh, here it comes. That's an MC. That's not a... I mean, it's the most rock and roll thing ever, but it's also super MC. Yeah. <laughs> mm, here it comes! <laughs> yeah, so but it's also very uh, nicely contrasted with what happens uh, just before that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Memories have only open space to give. And as I think to the past, there's nothing left to see. So future, so future man, man, open your arms to me. Yeah, that's so good. And I mean, I, I always lose track a little bit of the structure because there's another riff. I can't play it, but it needs to be mentioned. The Santana part. Mm. It's like boom, 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 boom. It's the bass. Boom, 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 boom. So good. Is that before Ooh, Here It Comes? Because yeah. that kind of a false yeah, yeah, it's, ending, it's, right? It's just before. Yeah, it's just before, and it goes into uh, it, this uh, very Santana goes into the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very good. So good, 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 good. Do you know the the ending uh, lead there? Oh, yeah, no, I the don't actually. Yeah, at that point, I was so deep into the rabbit hole, so I was losing my mind a little bit. Like, what, what is this album? And it, actually, that's also what I want to really emphasize on. I often say that presentation is key. You know, content is important, yeah. but presentation is key. And the way this album is presented, it makes me... I mean, I mean I'm a music nerd, a music listener nerd, and a bit of a guitar nerd. And I always want to put everything apart and, you know, and then put it back together to see what it's made of. Mm. But with this album, I'm so kind of entranced that I don't want, it's not that I don't want to do it, but I can't do it. So I still don't properly know this album and I've listened to it hundreds of times. So that makes it yeah. constantly fresh, constantly interesting. But that's also why I lost my mind a little bit when I was actually learning how to play it. <laughs> and on a side note, yeah, I, I mean, on a side note of that, uh, some songs, when you, when, you, uh, when you got them down, they become less valuable to you because you decipher the song. Mm. But that was not the case here the album became even better. It's now even better. I, yeah, I completely, completely agree. And I know what you uh, what you mean with this when you kind of decipher the song or you kind of learn, like, why is this song making you feel this way? Yeah. But here it's like the riffs are, yes, they're a big part of what makes the album great, but there's so much more. There's so much laying. And I wanted to talk with you a bit about the production of the album because I think it's... Very nice. It's really, really good. Stellar. And uh, as we, stellar. As, as as we mentioned, I think like what happened is that they they, they are a very tight unit, and they they yeah. all played in like a lot. You know, they're all very good musicians. So I think they cut it mostly live, and then just added some. Uh, they added. Um, yeah, I mean the overdubs, yeah, like the yeah. second and overdubs, third guitar, yeah, of and, and this percussion and stuff. Mm. But the root is there, and the root is is live. I'm quite sure. Yeah, and. Uh, also, like you know, the, I can imagine them just sitting there writing lyrics together, just making shit up. Yeah, exactly. It's just like making these convoluted sweets that people will like, like people like you and me will make podcasts about. Like uh, yeah. fifty years later, in two years, this album is fifty years 50 old. Years old. Yeah, it's, That's it's, insane. It's now at a tender age of forty-eight, so it's it's been around for a while. And I think, speaking of lyrics that are kind of nonsense, I think I've addressed this before, but it, it's it's well well worth addressing again that. I don't think that uh, a lyric has to really be that thought true. I'm a defender of I'm a defender of afterthought. I'm, I really am. Like sometimes when I write mm. lyrics, 
Afterwards, I decide what they are about. First, I write words. Then I look at the words, and then I come up with a meaning. And I don't think it's anything, anything wrong with that. It's kind of a little bit frowned upon, isn't it? Like you're supposed to have this life trauma, you have to, this life situation, and you're writing your heart out. Mm. But that's not how I write lyrics. I, I, I get a feeling, I put the words down, and then, as an afterthought, I kind of figure out what it's about. And I like that kind of yeah. lyric. I like, I like the heartfelt oh. ones too, especially when they're really, really good. You know, like Limelight, for example. Mm. Uh, but uh, still, you know, yeah. I mean, you should probably pick pick up the thread here. Uh, what's the deal with the afterthought? Is it okay? Is it a good thing? Is it okay? I think it's um, there is two ways to go about it. Like, like, and you made uh, made a good uh, example there with Limelight being so like um, super heartfelt. openly about about like addressing uh, a a topic. Yeah, and uh, but then you have lyrics like this that like opens up. Uh, more interpretation for the listeners like psychedelic lyrics maybe then they can kind of maybe you know kind of kind of last longer in a way because they take longer to pick apart and they last with you longer maybe you didn't really listen uh, maybe you didn't do like uh, um, Dave Grohl said you know dance you didn't dance to the lyrics you danced to the rest but then you kind of you had in your subconscious like he's singing some weird stuff here man but I don't care the music is so good I don't have to decipher it right now yeah uh, but then you can go back and kind of um, I think here's an opportunity as a as a, as an artist to to let the audience decide you know like uh, or maybe like the critics will come and say the, the crit often like what happens when when something is really like universally uh lauded you know so everyone loves it. it's like the the critics maybe it, it really makes uh the the artist look smarter or better than she is you know, often, like they really say some nice things and they make these connections that you they definitely didn't make you know like this really it's about uh, her mother like or it's about like the the Hiroshima bombings, or maybe something better, like it's about uh, like why I can't uh, why I can't go out at night anymore on this street. Uh, it really speaks to me. It was what happened to me. Like you, you read in so much, yeah. and you leave that open. I think that's um, an important part. And I, I think I don't know. Like I, I like to imagine that they really went for an album that was um, that they really wanted to make a good album, and they did. But I wonder, like, if they were so, if they really knew that it was. It, I mean, it has everything that makes a classic. Yeah. But and here is the big, but it's not a classic. Definitely not. I mean, I'm not even expecting this double to be one of our most streamed episodes because it's still a fringed out outfit. But then again, uh, to your credit, dear Gain for if listener, actually, when we Gain it's not really. When we put out the biggest acts that sold millions and millions, it's not our most streamed episodes. So I think our, our listener core or our listeners out there actually like weird shit. And that's a tribute yeah. to you guys. Uh, it's very fun for us because then we know that if we do a French electronic duo, it might get more streamed than uh, uh, Dire Straits or Black Sabbath. Uh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I was actually going to propose that we just make one episode of this one and uh, it's fucking long. Yeah, we see what happens. If I could, if I can edit it before New Year's, or, or <laughs> if it's delayed, we're at two and a half hours yeah. now. So in my world, uh, through our internet intergalactic interrogation system, I'm guessing that you listeners are in 
beginning of January right now, but hey, we will see. <laughs> uh, no, but it, there's um, but it, it, what what I wanted to get. It, I mean, they're 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 not well known. They're really an unknown band, yeah. and there is something that help uh, that helps. Uh, how to say that, that really is uh, uh, it's adding to this uh, fact. It's that you can you can almost not find their music online. It's not on Spotify. Yeah. It's not on Apple Music. Uh, the, to stream this album uh, legally, it's really hard. I yeah. think it might even be impossible. So, uh, and, I, and I own uh, the CD which I bought yeah. at Pub Mega Store, <laughs> and then I have uh, I had vinyl. Did you get it from that singer songwriter? The vinyl? Uh, no, no. I think I, I bought it because I bought the CD first okay. after I had heard um, uh, Mesmerization Eclipse by Entomb. Then I went to to pick it up, and I like, oh, what's this? And I found it immediately on CD. Um, but then later I went to uh, a Skivbush uh, on Södermalm where I got uh, this very nice hologram uh, issue. And I think that's not hard to get a hold of it physically, but uh, we don't buy records physically now, do right. we? I mean, in general, we do, you and me. Yeah. But uh, people in general want to hear this music. And how do you hear this music? Uh, you, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna say you have to go to YouTube and you have to listen to like a uh, a pirated yeah. version of it to hear it online. It's uh, in preparation. What I did is I actually I now have this uh, portable DVD writer reader that I bought for next to nothing, and I plugged that in and I took out my old CD because I wanted to listen properly to to the actual record. You know, uh, yeah. YouTube didn't really cut it for me. So yeah, it's a hard one to find, but not really hard. I mean, you can definitely get a hold of it if you put your mind to it for definitely. 10 minutes, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, maybe pirate it. I have no clue really how to actually get it, but uh, I think every song is on YouTube at least, right? Uh, I, did, I did find the whole album, uh, okay. and I was listening to it. When, when you called me, I was in the middle of listening. Uh, or no, I was at the end, so we were parting it out. I, I don't know, we can cut it in here? Yeah. Yeah, that was a great one. <laughs> Getting the spirit. What an intro. Yeah, I listened to it today in, uh, during my... I, I have been eating dinner in my bathtub the last few days. <laughs> it's, it's a, nice. Yeah, it's a respite from, from this terrible weather. So when I come back from my errands, I uh, fix up the bathtub, I put the laptop on, uh, on a stool, and uh, I have this uh, portable uh, waterproof speaker. So I listen to it that way, and uh, without always without <laughs> the lights. You have to turn off the lights. 
turn on a candle instead. <laughs> December Stockholm, you have to do this kind of things. And, yeah, and it really, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a great album for the bath too. Yeah. But uh, you have to remember, don't bring your electric guitar right. plugged in into right. the bathtub. That uh, can be a disastrous. Uh, hey. Hey. We've been talking about Captain Beyond, finally. We've been riffing so much. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm, uh, I, I think uh, we, we said what we wanted to say, right? Yeah, and it was important. It's so integral. It, uh, if it's not my favorite album, it's definitely our favorite album. That's for sure. Yeah. Like if you combine your taste with my taste and your story or path with my story and path, definitely this is the pinnacle, music-wise. I mean, it doesn't if, get much better. If I had, if you and me would be deserted on a uh, on a deserted island, then we would bring this album. Yeah, me alone. Easy. Me alone too. I would say actually, because desert island, oh. you definitely have it in this album. So many riffs, goes everywhere. Exactly. I mean, you can just like go in. You you wanna you wanna you want a heavy riff. You mean, I mean, uh, Metallica gives you heavy pepper. <laughs> you want something, you know, a bit more uh, relaxed. Maybe you have that as well. You know, it has everything. Yeah, maybe maybe you want to pay tribute to Jimi Hendrix. You have. You know, it has a little bit of everything. Definitely, definitely. And I think in the singing department, also like really, uh, he, he, this is really where Rod Evans like shows that he's a great singer. Yeah. And Bobby Caldwell, we all already knew, everyone already knew that he was good, but I mean, this album is just like... And then also <sighs> it's a complete showcase for Rhino, with all his crazy riffs yeah. and leads, you know. Uh, yeah. just he's, he's a madman on this album. Crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, just insane <laughs> guitar on this album. <laughs> I think the riffs speak for themselves, right? Moon and the riffs and the dance and the backwards speak for themselves. I am totally hallucinating riffs right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't need much more than Captain Beyond if you want to uh, trip out. It really has everything in it. 
and um, yeah what a good what a good album and fun to do this kind of it's a different special right we've been doing specials on these huge bands that really consume a lot of time and there's tons of stories so many stories on Metallica and so many stories on Iron Maiden but now this special is just kind of searching for for this unknown star you know heading right up into space <laughs> exactly <laughs> it was totally untuned there Ah, yeah. Ah. And the new year coming in. God. New year coming in. Have you heard any fireworks yet in your in your area? Uh man, every fucking minute someone is dropping a bomb on our street it feels like because it's uh it's illegal. The fireworks are illegal on New Year's Eve. So everyone is blowing the load <laughs> so to speak before before New Year's Eve. They're like going out to have some, some mini parties where they blow up their uh, fireworks uh, so it's kind of spread out plus some uh, hooligans are riding around and uh, throwing these uh, bangers uh, all the time so uh, yes I <laughs> I got my share thank you and ple- please and thank you I, I don't get it why are you doing this they've been doing it 27th 28th 29th of December these measly little displays of power I, I just don't get it I just don't get it but I also don't get fireworks on New Year's Eve too much either I've, I've seen some good displays and when i've been celebrating it with uh, your brother my brother victor oh, yeah he's always had this peculiar idea of being mr fireworks i never really knew why <laughs> and i never really wanted to ask why i was just happy that he did this and i think he had that in his mind when he came up with this <laughs> you know uh, yeah. he has sometimes this peculiar way of thought like uh, this is probably no one else is going to be mr fireworks and I don't think he's terribly interested in that kind of stuff, but he he, he takes on the role and it's appreciated. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of fun because uh, at, at some point I I got very you know like drunk when I was partying, you know, and he kind of recognized that like it's better if me who is like equally drunk but still has some kind of resemblance of. Uh, uh, <laughs> like recognizing yeah. that this is a bit dangerous that uh, that I would do it. I mean he would do it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was very happy about this. You know, I can I can look at it. but I but I also know that he he shot uh <laughs> he, he shot the fireworks uh, from uh from uh, the balcony where I lived uh once. Oh, yeah. But that was uh, all in good fun, all in good uh, all in good faith. Yeah, I mean in those in those years I even I fired fireworks inside at a party. Oh when my God. you won the tank was moving out from his apartment. And apparently they had uh, ordered this cleaning crew to come in later. So we, I started firing these small uh, fireworks from my butt crack. First on the balcony and then also inside of the living room. But we, we've all been there. I think there's something within this primate mind that really likes to blow shit up. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, hey, uh, oh. <laughs> we like to blow shit up. Uh, right? We do, and, we uh, do, we do. But, uh, but I want to I wanna give a tribute to New Year's. Yeah, okay, this year, this year, Christmas, for once, I enjoyed it. I haven't really liked it in my adult life at all, but I really liked it. There was a vibe. And uh, now we're coming to New Year's, which I think is this ancient, ancient time of uh, celebration. You know that it's, at least on the northern hemispheres, you know that now it's turning around, right? Mm-hmm. It's getting brighter again. The, the, I'm already foreseeing, foreseeing playing... Uh, 10 years gone on my porch in, in broad sunlight. Hmm, very nice, very nice. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to 2021, actually, yeah. 
I have no clue what it's going to be like, but uh, I think we can make something okay off it. Yeah, and uh, on that note, I'd like to just uh, quote Rod Evans from the song Mesmerization Eclipse. Things got lost, also lost, trying to hide in time. Mesmerization, baby. Mesmerization, baby. And I want more. Sun and moon in the valley at the same time. Hey, baby, you know it's true. Guess we're gonna reach the peak in no time, yeah? Optic nerve just can't get fooled. <laughs> He, this is a fucking guy, also. Yeah, like, yeah, and I mean, dear listener, if you're not listening now, uh, the, the, then I hope you'd uh, jumped at our first suggestion, started started listening to uh, Captain Beyond self-titled 1972, uh, when we said it in the beginning of the episode, and then maybe later in the future you got back to us here and you uh, kind of wanted to know more, and now you do. Uh, so I hope you learned something, and I hope you had a good time, and thank you for this amazing year uh, that wasn't that amazing on all accounts, but for our riff fingers and riff hands and riff arms, it was great. Uh, so happy New Year's to all of you. All right, stop.